we go. And we're recording. Hi, welcome to Already Cancelled with Finn. I am Finn, your host. And this week I am cancelled because apparently I'm not a good Black person if I want to date people who aren't Black. Oh yeah, I remember this. Like, I have always dated... I'm an equal opportunity hoe and hater. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, and I'm very pro-black. I stand with my people. I'm learning from my people. I'm learning to be better to my people. So, but if I meet a boy who ain't, you know, black, Mm -hmm. apparently I am, I'm selling out my race. So you know what always trips me out about that? It's like attraction is attraction. You're going to be attracted to people who don't share the same skin tone or views as you. But if you're attracted to them because they're white and you're only attracted to them because they're white and because the black people are so bad, I got beef. I got beef then. I got beef. But like, I'm out here like, Everybody. I'm looking at everyone. I don't know if I'm playing for keeps or just playing the field, but everyone right. is, is is welcome, you know, and I love love. It's an equal opportunity, body. I'm equal opportunity. I mean, you know, but the, the gay hoteps, it's not just that they're hoteps, mm. that they're gay hoteps. You know, the gay hoteps, they're the worst. <laughs> that's, that's, I feel like their Kool-Aid is a little bit more spicy. Maybe has a little tagine in it. Yeah, a and little it's, it's um, not cumin. They like a little cumin in it, you know? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, so let me introduce my guest, who who I just uh, conversated with. That's the word we're using. Um, this is my, my homie, my homie Sepra. Yes, yes, shout uh, out to using the real name. Not the the real name. name, the real name from the streets, my nigga. The right? real name from the streets. Walking through the streets, be like, yo, what up? Oh, you know Sepra? Yo, Sepra with the booty? Yeah. They were like, wait a minute, you know Sepra? Okay, hold up. I know how I style, so wait a minute. And I'm like, oh. the 20s were wild. The 20s were wild, okay? The 1920s and your 20s. <laughs> so... <laughs> There was a lot of antibiotics all the way around. Oh. <laughs> I'm lying. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. Oh, and for that part, what do you do, Sepper? Not your day job. What do you do other than you bullshit on the street? So I'm Sephra. <laughs> uh, I like ties and oh, pronouns she, her. <laughs> Bad bitch. Um, I am a a storyteller. I stopped saying I was a writer a long time ago because I feel like storytelling is more of my niche. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a storyteller. I'm an advocate for those who can't advocate for themselves. I am a people person. I am an avid people watcher and I'm in therapy. Like, that's it. Black girl come through. Listen, at the end of the day, um therapy is very amazing and I'm constantly advocate I'm a full-time advocate for therapy I'm like 
You know, something going through some shit. You might want to go to therapy. And they'd be like, me and paper or plastic. That's all I action. I'd be like, mm, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, just saying. saying. I mean, like, what you're saying. Like, you know, you look like you've been, you've had a day. And like, maybe you can come back into work after a day in therapy and just. Right. You know what I mean? Because you might, because some people be thinking they hate their jobs. It's not that they hate their job. It's just that they don't like the treatment that they get at mm-hmm. their job. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, because I've been, I, I once before asked paper or plastic and I loved it. And then, and then there were days that I did want to fight somebody. Listen, well, okay, we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into it today. You, you know today. my family dollar fight story. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Family, and, and even in, yo, let me talk about it. Let me talk about it. Let me talk about it. Family dollar be popping up in the weird, you know how, like, in the South, Dollar General pops up in the weirdest places. Family mm-hmm. Dollar pops up in the weirdest places in New York. Mm-hmm. You'd be looking at Family Dollar like, yeah, you want people to fight up in this bitch because like you in the worst location. So here's the thing that a lot of people don't know about Family Dollar. Family Dollar buys properties that have been like 30,000 other things <laughs> and like have severe infestations. Like I'm not lying to you. Like it just is what it is. And I don't think they do it. We are, we are saying, uh, to quote Squirrelly Dan, allegedly, we don't want lawsuits. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Alleg- like, I allegedly almost got there by rap one time. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, they do it because um, they know the people in the community are not going to complain about it. And they do it because they know the people in the community just need some way to get diapers at for like cheap as hell so that's why you kind of have like the good family dollar which is like four blocks away and then like the bullshit family dollar but like your baby need diapers that's down the block but they do it quite often and um yeah they don't pay their workers enough they might now because you know minimum wage went up but it is what it is it is what it is i mean look i remember the family dollar in north carolina they used to be like near like neighborhoods Mm-hmm. But the family, but the Dollar Generals were never near neighborhood. The Dollar Generals, you had to drive off of and accidentally turn off of a road and then didn't realize that there was a family, I mean, a Dollar General there. And you mm-hmm. just were like, well, I don't know how long this road goes. Let me stop in for a Gatorade. <laughs> well, Dollar General is actually a lot more expensive than Family Dollar. And a lot of people don't know that. It's like a like maybe like a a dollar fifty more price point because you're like getting the better stuff, but it's it's essentially the same thing. You get more brands at Dollar General. Okay. So yeah. I mean, with there's still a store that fall under the word dollar, so mm-hmm. we're just like, okay, I'm gonna go to Fat Albert though. Anyway, listen. <laughs> I will buy you everything you need. I will buy you, you one cheese? of everything. You need an AC. Hey, okay. And bring your big cart. Don't bring that little cart. Bring the nope. big cart. The big one? Okay, you want a TV? I got you. <laughs> it's like, it's it Fat Albert. All right? The only thing I ain't going to buy there is them beds. Because them beds mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. always in, like, I think it's just the display thing because, like, they are side by, you know, age mm-hmm. and body type. But it's, like, the way the display is, you see so many beds all near each other. You're not sure what side the bed actually is. Right. 
and then you get home and you got a toddler twin and you're right. like well who's gonna sleep on this because i said i bought a california king like i <laughs> <laughs> all i saw was 200 and a lot a long array of mattresses i thought it was the california king listen <laughs> The best, well, okay, we're getting off topic. I was gonna say the best place to get a mattress from is off Notion. Is this place called Lawrence? I got my bed for I think two fifty, and he delivered it and let me get the ride back to Queens. You know they never do that. Mm. Uh, Good time. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk to you about was um, at underscore and easy on IG. Yes. yes. Okay, because like homegirl is giving me life mm-hmm. like parking lot pimping i wait for it every week every friday so i am to be honest like i like we had this conversation earlier i didn't realize i was following her for that long um i saw her parking lot pimping and then when we had the conversation you refresh my memory and like she's bomb like i feel like i you know what I feel like the pandemic and COVID in general has brought out so many more strong Black voices mm-hmm. to tell from their experience. And it's crazy because, like, as Black people, last year was rough. It was rough. We were locked in the house. Like, the content creators were, like, doing their thing, but, like, we weren't getting credit for it. So it's just very refreshing to see someone, like, really making a new lane. Because who's doing, first of all, who's sitting outside in the parking lot sitting back? Facts. We've never seen nobody do this yet. Facts. So it's like, it's very refreshing to see her create this lane for herself and just educating the babies and snapping the bees. And she comes in and she's like, I'm going to keep it brief, but I'm going to keep it black. And she sure did. Okay, because she was, she she's giving you facts, she's giving you history, she's giving you emotion. Mm-hmm. I feel like it touches me more because I, you know, I love poetry, and I right. and I always can feel closer when a when a poet is, you know, even when they're just speaking in their everyday tone, mm-hmm. because the, you can tell that they're a little bit more in touch with their emotion. You know what I mean? Right. And they're and they're more passionate. So when they're really speaking something, you know, it's like and it feels like a sermon. Like you're in, like that's right. like it feels like a sermon. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yo. This is everything. Because I love when I see a Black person, a Black woman, Mm -hmm. letting you know that, look, we are tired of how Black people in general are treated, but we as Black women are treated even worse. Can y'all please admit that to yourself? Right. And that's the thing. I don't think society will ever admit that. Because in order for society to admit that Black women are treated poorly, they have to admit that there's a, there's a societal problem with how Black people are treated. Yeah. And they're not going to do that because I, I've said this before, like, uh, with my therapist, before I am anything, I'm a Black woman. Everything else falls down the line. So if you can't, like, grasp the fact that I'm a Black woman before I am anything, then this is not going to work. Yeah. And I think that society has a huge problem with being Black and being woman. Not for nothing, Christianity has... We were just talking about this. I got time, I got tea, and I got water. Let's go. (laughs) Like, Christianity has taught people 
to hate women. Mm. Speak on it. Because we look at the way they treated Ruth. We look at the way they treated Esther. As much as I want to just blame Christianity, I'll have to remember Christianity wasn't the entire world. Right. Right. So before Christianity, we have to look at other Abrahamic religions. But then we also have to look at those that don't believe in creation. We have to look at like fucking the Greek gods. Look at the way they did Medusa. You know, so that right there is already like fuck women. And then the other aspect is it that we live in a world, not a country, a world where black people were taught that they were less than. Mm. And black men who were indoctrinated by Christianity were taught that women were for them. So then you have to listen to the fact of like, well, black men now can't stand women because they're not being docile to them. Mm -hmm. But then they also expect the black women to take care of everything. So why would you expect someone to take care of your ass and your children to be docile to you? You should be thankful for her. So just piggybacking off of what you're saying, I feel like black women are constantly only, black women are only valued by how much they can withstand. Mm -hmm. So if I can't, raise the kids and clean the house I'm no use here if I can't be pretty on Monday through Saturday and then wear sweats and clean up the house on Sunday like I'm of no use here right so now we live in a in a day and age where we're having these strong black female voices saying I'm taking back what's mine I'm taking back the ownership of my body I'm taking back you know what I need to feel good about me and it's like well, who the hell told y'all y'all had feelings? So even like with just like art in general, right? Because Lynn is an artist. So let's just use artists in general. Even with the Megan Thee Stallions, even with the Cardis, um, even with the Nikki's, like we haven't had this explosion of Black sensuality when it comes to women since Kim. So now it's like, how do we address this as Black women? But mm-hmm. also, how do we keep it progressing so that we don't fall back into that whole, like, bullshit we did before? Because when right. Kim came out, you know, she was popping pussy in front of a camera and everybody thought it was, like, the greatest thing in a sense of, like, Black liberation, female empowerment. Now we have a million Kims. So since we have a million Kims now, damn, I don't want to say the market is oversaturated because it's not, but it's more of a okay, if I don't want to pop pussy like Kim in front of the camera, maybe I can twerk my ass like Megan and still get my same point across because, you know, that's what's selling. No, because, no, I get it. Because, you know, it's funny. Every time I hear people talk about, like, Black female artists, they always talk about the ones who are more sexualizing, you know? I right. mean, um, and, it, and it, don't get me wrong. I love sexiness. I think it's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. But a lot of these women have to sell sex in order to tell their real story. And that's, and that's the problem. I remember one time I was listening to a Nicki Minaj song. I don't know, but I like felt the, I felt her telling a real story mm-hmm. and it wasn't something sexual. It wasn't mm-hmm. something, but it was also a song that's not like, you know, mainstream. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because Rhapsody, Rhapsody is a whole fucking... Look, 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 look. You know, you know I lived in Raleigh. You know I lived by NC State. Rhapsody, seeing Cooley High playing at NC State was like, it changed my fucking life. 
mm-hmm. all right? Like, I am only, like, two degrees of separation from members of this group. Like, <laughs> it, like it changed my fucking life, all right? And Rhapsody comes up in there and tells real stories, real shit, and she she's sexy. She is so sexy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But she's not selling sex. Because she's sexy outside of the white gaze. Exactly. And that's this, like, and you know what? You get into these moments where you're like, I don't want to make everything about race. But then when you really unpack it, it's like, yo, this shit is about race. Like, Megan, Megan has bars. I would never deny her that. Megan has bars. Megan has skills. But Megan also has across the board sex appeal. Yes, Black men are going to love her because she looks like one of the roundaway homegirls. But then, you know, the others will love her as well because she feeds into the fetish of hypersexualized Black women. Yep. Just like with Nikki. If nothing ever tells you that the white gaze of sexuality does not pertain to the music music in- industry, Rhapsody versus Megan is a prime example. Yeah. Rhapsody doesn't even get airplay like she should. She doesn't right. even get video play like she should. She doesn't get invited to the awards like she should. She's one of those artists, if you know her, you know her. If you don't, you don't. Right. But Megan is everywhere. Everywhere. And you know what's crazy? It's the same thing. Like, do you know that Okay, not a lot of people know this about me, but I love British rap. Okay. Um, I don't know what it is. British rap artists are just it's, it's the voice. It's, it's the voice. It and, is. It's the voice and the and it's like a proper vibe, like a, yeah. a, a, a proper vibe. It's like, oh, I'm feeling prim and proper, but like you from the hood too. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like um, they have hoods in London. Clearly they do. They they really do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like their housing projects look nice. The estate. The estate. They look nice. Yeah, when I found out they called the project the estates, I was like, so what's so bad about it? What? <laughs> what? what is going estate? on here? You got an estate? Y'all got go what? Yard? <laughs> I thought they had horses and shit running away. Listen. But I was listening to Ray Black. Mm-hmm. and she had this song called Mama, and, like, she was talking about her mom working, like, two or three jobs to support the kids, like, you can't tell nobody because they'll take you away from me, right. like, all that shit, and I'm always just thinking, yo, this is another Black woman telling a real Black-ass story, mm-hmm. and she doesn't get a lot of play over here or over there, right? because she's not selling sex, and... But, like, that's the way they've been doing Black women for years. And, like, because I remember when I was a kid, my mom used to love watching that fucking John Wayne movie. It feels racist. I don't know which one you're talking about, but it feels racist. It feels racist. It's that really big... Gone with the Wind. Oh, God. And remember that Black woman in it? The the, the maid or whatever she was? Mm -hmm. She got an Oscar for that shit. In the back room. In the back room. In the back room. And but here's what's funny because she got an Oscar for that shit for playing a docile, domestic black woman. That was the image that was forced upon black women for so long. Listen, Halle Berry got an uh, Oscar for Monsters Ball. Wasn't she a crackhead? Yes. Speaking of ridiculous, but speaking of black crackheads, oh my god, who was his name? Ali <laughs> Woodard. I'll be Woodard. Woodard. Okay, go. <laughs> Alfie Woodard has been the best fucking crackhead. Let me say something about Alfie Woodard. And she had never got, she had, I don't think she got an Oscar for any of them performances. She, first of all, okay. 
Like, if my life was to ever be turned into a movie, it's already been concluded that either Loretta Devine or Alfie Ritter would have to pay my mom. That's yeah. a given. Because they're a little bit too tall, a little bit too brown, but they would have to play my mom. Um, Holiday Heart, Alfie Ritter. Yo! Listen, Holiday Heart, Holiday Heart had me fucked up. Holiday Heart is one of those movies that as a black person you have to see. It's mm-hmm. equivalent to the color purple. It's the color purple of our generation. It really okay. honestly is. Because there were so many gems in that movie. First of all, let's start off by saying this movie was about a gay man helping his crackhead friend raise her daughter while her fresh ass. Not only was he a gay man, he was a drag queen. And an amazing Seven. one. Heartbroken. His partner died. He wants to move on with his life. Here she come with her baby. Here she come with a drug dealer. The way Silas just like you love Nikki like I love Nikki. Let's try to raise Nikki together. That yes. right there, I love it's that. On it. But okay, we are way off topic. We are, but let's <laughs> also she had never won. She had never won an Oscar, and I don't she think she's ever won an award. No, she won. So I was just looking at it. Okay, she has one glo- Golden Globe. She deserved it. Four Primetime Emmy Awards. She deserved it. And three uh, Screen Actors Guild Awards. So, in my opinion, to get the Screen Actors Guild Award is better to get than getting the Oscar. I feel that because the Screen Actors Guild is of your peers. The Oscars are of people who think they know shit. Right. So, I mean, my peers better be nominating me for shit. Hmm. So we, but we are way off topic. Like I was saying, look, I love Atlan underscore Lynn Easy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm going to be like, I am going to, I follow every week and I just want to mm-hmm. thank her for everything. Oh my God. Yeah. Ah, we need black women telling their real stories. Okay. And not even that I saw on um Twitter, someone was like, who does she think she is to have these opinions? First of all, we live in a day and age of spin culture and we live in a day and age of everybody has an opinion. She backs up her opinions with facts. Right. It's not like she's out here saying the sky is, is purple and then we're sitting outside I'm like, how the hell is the sky purple where she at? You know what I mean? Like she has solid straight facts. So how are you saying? She has a degree in African-American studies. How are you saying she doesn't know what she's talking about? Mm-hmm. I can't because there was this there was this one girl. So uh, I think it was last week because before that she did a video on a parking lot pimping on the stop Asian hate movement. Right. I go over to her TikTok and she has a uh, a react video on TikTok to an Asian girl who stole her bars verbatim. Oh no. And tried to pass it off as her own, not giving the black women credit for stating the facts on the, the, the treatment of Asian Americans throughout their history in the US. Mm-hmm. She'd she'd like, look, we on your side, but like we also have to do us. And mm-hmm. you over here stealing our sh- like stealing our shit right in front of us on a public in a public setting. Right. And it's not uncommon because our content, that's why I said like last year was great for us as content creators however so much of our shit last year got stolen i just saw um today i was just looking at it before we got on jimmy fallon had 
I don't even know her name. Let's call her basic white girl from TikTok. Jimmy Fallon had basic white girl from TikTok on his show to do like all of those little TikTok dances. And someone made a valid point. It was like, why would he have like this basic ass girl from TikTok who stole these dances from black content creators instead of having the black content creators on his show? Like, it's really that simple. It's really it's that you. simple. It's really you. And the thing is, I don't know if you are aware, like TikTok, they do, um, they got called out about how they treat Black content creators. So now they have like this Black content creator summit for TikTok users where they, they did it last year. I don't know if they're going to do it this year, but they like all met up somewhere and they did like workshops and shit. And that's all fine and good. Oh, wait, there are enough major TikTokers that they had to have a conference? Yes, it was a Black TikTok caucus. And that's, that's all fine and good but give me my roses in front of everybody just like you see yes. my shit in front of everybody yes a matter of fact you know it's crazy speaking of like black content creators so i was watching um i was watching this youtube video about some basic ass nerd uh commenting on how racist uh vine was it's a white boy with glasses. Yes. Boy, I and like. I had issued because he kept calling out this one black content creator. King yes. Rock. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yes, he was, um, he was pandering more for white folks. Mm-hmm. But I always say this, the, minor, the majority doesn't have to pander to the minority. You know what I'm saying? Right. So yes, he was pandering to it because he was like, look, I know I'm going to get more viewers from this. Mm-hmm. And he already knows by doing these stereotypes, let's be real. Let's be real. We as black people are going to either laugh at, or we're going to laugh at it because like either A, we're laughing at the stereotype too because we know we ain't that shit. Mm-hmm. Or because like we relate to that shit. Right. But you know what it is? I feel like white people are okay when they use a stereotype against us. But when we use it to monetize ourselves, then it's a problem. Right. And it's like, you can tell me you're an ally all you want, but leave your opinions on how we as Black people should act as Black mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. to yourself. Because that's not you being an ally. That's you saying, well, I think you should act and speak this way. Right, and that's, that's basically you telling me that my version of blackness is unacceptable for you and it makes you uncomfortable. And since it makes you uncomfortable, I need to be this specific type of black person in order to make you feel better about your inherent racism. I'm just here. I just work here from two to 10 and I go home. But that's what Because like, let's be real. Why the fuck? You know, I already got to deal with telling my own people how to treat me. Why not? Why Listen. the fuck? I got to tell you how to treat me. That Listen. makes it worse. Like, oh my God. Like, do you, do you understand this? Alanis Morissette has a song called The The Reasons I Drink. This is one of them. Listen. Also, yes, I am that bitch who, who occasionally refers to Alanis just out of nowhere. She is God. Listen, I was at work the other day and Isn't It Ironic came on and they went to change the station. I was like, it's like rain on your wedding. Wedding. Listen. And I like, and it's crazy because my favorite movie is Dogma. Like my favorite mm-hmm. movie, and like Alanis playing God, it made it brought out so much in me. Alanis playing God, and then her mm-hmm. screaming and smiling, and then picking flowers. And you're like, this is 
If, that if, is very much a cult classic. That, oh my God. Like, Jay and Silent Bob deserve everything just for that movie alone. I was introduced to Jay and Silent Bob in Dogma, and then I watched Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and then I watched Clerks 1 and Clerks 2, and let me yeah. tell you. I'm telling you, every time I see Jay and Silent Bob in something now, and like I was talking to my friends about this, it doesn't matter where in the world you are. If you find mm-hmm. a way to see Jay and Silent Bob, you know that this is the, the place that you're in, they have culture. Yes. And you know, it's going to be like, it's so the thing about Jay and Silent Bob is they're not funny, but they're relatable. Yes. So the relatable makes it funny. Yes. Because it's like, it's kind of like really, like, it's dry humor, but it's like nonsensical. It's very complicated. I don't feel like Jay and Silent Bob are for like, like you said, you got to have culture. You got to have culture. Because look, you got to have culture if you can laugh at, hey, yo, girl, you ever been fucked by a fat man in a trench coat? Like, (laughs) I felt that. I felt that. Were there clerks that we were first introduced to Rosario Dawson? I wouldn't say that was our first introduction, but yeah, she was was in clerks too. Yes. and When they were working at the burger joint. Yes, and she just, oh my God, they gave me Rosario Dawson. They they put up Lonis as God. They, oh my God, like Alan Rickman played an angel. Like, uh, thank you, Jane Sound Bob. Okay, so we, we, we got off on a tangent. As we do. Um, but I am high, so I'm allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you came here for. So um, I've been drinking my chai tea, having my okay. water. Okay, hydration. Mm-hmm. You know, we stand tea on this podcast. We love tea. Um, so now we're gonna get into the meat and potatoes. Okay. Meat and potatoes. I'm ready. So I wanted to discuss cancel culture with you. Okay. Because you and I, when we talk about shit, we usually on the same level. Mm-hmm. And if we're not on the same level, you you educate me to get to your level. And vice versa. I mean, I'm usually not long, but you the smartest. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll take it. Um, so, I really wanted to discuss. Okay, so first of all, give me one person, just one person that is on your cancel list right now. One person that's on my cancel list that uh, I have no problem putting there, or who I have just like what, just a person who's on it. You can give your reasoning. You don't have to give your reasoning, but just give me one West. person. Okay, you don't even need to give reasoning for that one. But wait, so here's the thing about the kind like it it pains my soul that I uh, we have get it. Yo, him. yo, can we talk about? None of us really understood why we had such a connection with this man at one point in our lives mm-hmm. because we are the way we look at him now. We're like, we should not have had that connection. Okay, with him. so I was trying to see what Kanye uh, since he came out when college dropout dropped. I dropped my drugs. Um, Ain't no shame in my game. I don't care. <laughs> so that was my like fascination with Kanye. And then also how relatable his lyrics were. Um, as a storyteller, I like to gravitate towards music that tells a story. And I think with College Dropout the whole way through, 
regardless if it was like the little skits, the Bernie Mac thing, the, oh, what is it gonna keep you warm at night? Your degrees, your degrees are gonna keep you warm. Whatever, I was an undergrad, I, I related. What made me cancel Kanye, like, uh, first of all, sir, I need you to take your meds. Uh, second of all, I need you to stop going on these unmedicated rants and getting mad at Harriet Tubman like she did something to you. Um, and then like just overall, like the the whole slavery was a choice thing and then like his manic behavior. And I'm just like, yo, I can't in good conscience support a person who is so black and stands in their blackness so much. But then at the same time, it's like the poster child for anti-blackness. The poster child for like just racist rhetoric. Right, because um, he this is not the same man who told us that George Bush hates black people. Right. This is this is not the same man. And like, yes, we understand mental illness. We mm-hmm. definitely understand mental illness. But there's a certain level of like you need to at some point you need to decide whether or not it's your mental illness or it's your actual feelings. Right of why you're acting and saying doing these things. And I get it. Like, right. I, I mean, he was on my list after the Amber Rose shit. So. Right. Oh, was, yeah. Don't get me started with that. But that's uh, when I started kind of falling off with him because that whole 70 showers thing, like. Fuck your 70 showers, nigga. I feel like we've always known Kanye to be petty. We've known that through his music. We've known that through right. just everything. But at the same time, I feel like when his mom died, he lost his sense of self and his sense of purpose. And he turned this to something that was completely a caricature of who he was. A lot of his sexual identity was a part of his caricature. So why not shit on Amber Rose for moving on with her life and being happy with her life? But why Why would a Black woman be happy without a Black man? Right. And not even that. Like, I think a huge part of him shitting on her in that moment when he said the 70 showers thing, I had nothing to do with Kim. It had nothing to do with Amber. It was just the fact of I need to prove, like I need to establish that I still have ownership to that person. Mm-hmm. I have ownership over that person's identity. I have ownership of that person's uh, success. Yeah. And I think for him, that's always been a huge deal. That was a lot of the reason why I had to cancel him. I haven't listened to an album since, I haven't listened to any of his music since maybe. 2000 2021 so maybe like 2018 no i get that because i think the last song i listened to him was either fame or famous famous is the one with taylor swift yeah in relation i'll give you one person who's on my cancel list who is Mm -hmm. related to that taylor swiftless swiftless stays on that list she had stayed on that when Shake you know, It Off came out. She came back off that list for a little while. I get it though. That was a that was a fun that was a, album. That was a vibe. Yeah, that was, was a fun a, album. Was that was a album. fun album. But she was on that list since okay for for a lot of black people, it was when she won that award over Michael Jackson the year he died. Yeah. Okay. For me, I was mad when she went. From country to pop. I can see it. Okay, because I was a I was a country fan. I was mm-hmm. a Taylor Taylor Swift country music was her song Tim McGraw. I mm-hmm. yo, I still have memories of that song. I remember where I was when I was holding hands with my ex after we went mudding and then laid out on oh a patch God. of grass, 
Let's go country. Let's Kim McGraw. Okay, we were just laying out in the patch of grass, holding hands, being all gay and shit. I don't mean gay in like the gay having sex, right? I mean gay as in we holding hands and laying out in the fucking field. Right. And all cute the together. freedom of it. That was gay as hell. And country. <laughs> that was some I can't quit you bullshit. Oh my gosh. When I tell you that's like one of my favorite lines from that whole <laughs> well, Brookfield Mountain is my jam. But that I can't quit you part, I, I, you know, I honestly didn't know the impact of those words until I got into like a, a like, I was like their standard relationship. But until I got into a long-term relationship and was like, I really can't quit you. No, it be like, fucking it, you up. It hits you to the soul. Like, I can't quit you. Damn. You, you, you over here looking at this boy like, I don't know. Like some days I want to take off this cowboy boots and just knock you out with the spurs on it. But the other days I want to tip my hat to you and, and pull out a chair and make you some, some Alfredo. Okay. okay. But <laughs> so like, but like here's the thing, people, when they get on the cancel, so many people feel like they're being canceled nonstop and they get mad about being canceled. This is why mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and it's, for me, it's kind of funny, which is why I call the podcast already canceled which is why Finn is canceled because like, yo, when we cancel you, it's because you've been made aware of the bullshit that you did. That part, that part. And you out here having your PR agent write you, write up a fake apology that doesn't, that you don't even really take fault in. Right. Or you keep perpetuating the same bullshit you did before. I'm not canceling you because you're a human being. I'm not canceling you because I don't like, you know, the fact that you decide to put sugar in your frosted flakes. I'm canceling you because you are literally out here harming people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you are harming people. You are being offensive to people. And you letting us know you don't care. Right now in the United States, it's so many, I hate to say it, but white, Anglican, Christian people mm-hmm. who feel upset that they can't still be racist. So I have, I have, okay. So I have, I have thoughts on that, right? So I feel like, and this is my opinion, I feel like the further you get into the Bible Belt, the more the Christianity is racist. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that up north we don't have racist Christians because we do. Right. Their racism is ingrained in whiteness instead of in the Bible Belt where it's ingrained in religion. Right. So, and the thing about the United States is like the higher up north, you know, they always say the godless north. We don't push religion as much unless, until you get to like the smaller town or mm-hmm. you're, in a, you're raised in a very specific kind of culture mm-hmm. the great thing about being in the north is that you aren't always forced to go to church every week and then a lot of the whiteness is more so entitlement because new york is an old old state right rhode island is an old old state and those old states they had generational wealth mm-hmm And then even if they don't come from generational wealth, that wealth that they had was their skin color. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the South, it wasn't really about, it it wasn't about generational wealth. It was, well, you know, I want to, I want to carry the torch of my father and his father before him. And, you know, it's about our heritage. It ain't hate, it's heritage. You know, so like, I always feel like 
the the racism and like how it it separates between up here and down there it's always yeah like you said it always is about religion like it, the religion plays such a big tie into it right because like down south they will find a way to say like you know i'm a proud southerner i'm a christian and i'm racist as hell but they will find ways to tie that whole i'm a christian part into it like you know we took christianity to africa and we took you know we made them from savages to saints like, oh, y'all talking about the missionary trip? The racist-ass missionary trip? Again, I always refer to history when I talk about religion and mm-hmm. blackness and shit like this. I never really know the number of crusades that happened. I think about 5011 crusades. 5011 and ambition, right? The crusades always, always, always involved a, a, an army of Christians. Mm-hmm. Always, okay? The Christians were fighting everybody. Yeah. Everybody, look at it now. It's like, yes, y'all are still going into places and doing acts of war by trying to force people into being what you want them to be. And because you indoctrinated those people and to brainwashing their own children and indoctrinating into them, they are causing harm to their children as well. Right. There are people who kill their children because they tell them that they're queer. Because of the Bible. So I feel like the initial reason for Christianity was peace. And it's turned into a thing of dominance rather than peace. Yep. How much territory can we conquer? How much of the person's lives can we conquer? And let me just go on record saying this. I was born and raised in the church. I identify as a Christian. But a big part of Christianity is identifying when they are dropping the ball. You have to identify when people are being mistreated. You have to identify when people are not given the same rights that you all were all entitled to. And that level and that level of dominance does not come from the actual text. It comes from the actual people who are behind it, support supporting it for their own purpose. Yep. Because we could read the same book and get two different interpretations. It just matters if my voice is louder than yours or your voice is louder than mine. And that's what it boils down to. That dominance, I don't know. White people be doing too much. Christianity is, I don't want to say it's a white religion, because the story, if we listen, if we pay attention to the story of It's a whitewashed religion, you can say there we go. White, whitewashed religion. Right, exactly. Because the story of Christianity, if we follow it, began in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, canon, um, Jerusalem. Egypt, like the, we're talking, like you know, brown people, right? It's, it's. I, I can't say it's a white religion, but mm-hmm. I can say it. It's a religion that had been used to empower white people. Now, those descendants or the people who identify as this religion, they feel like they're being attacked for telling them to just treat everybody else the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. That's what it boils down to. It boils down to the golden rule. Treat everyone else the way you want to be treated. Right. But everybody, like, I was just having a conversation like that with my coworker, and I'm saying how, um, because, you know, people's favorite thing to do is to bring up, you know, put homosexuality and pedophilia in the same boat. That's their favorite thing to do. So we, you know, my situation, we constantly have these arguments at work about how one is not the same as the other. Like, she mentioned it and she's like, oh, you know, in the, in the Old Testament, they mentioned it. And in the New Testament, they mentioned it too. 
And I was like, yeah, but in the Old Testament, they also said we can't eat shellfish and you bust down crabs once a week. What are you talking about? And she's like, no, but that's different. No, it's not. Either way, something is going in your body. Your body is a temple. It might have bird shit on it, but your body is a temple. I mean... If we're going to condemn one, I think it's like a scripture that says, like, if you... If you're pointing out that, well, it's not a scripture, but if you're going to condemn one, you can't condemn one and not the other. Right. And and my funny, the funny thing about that whole pedophilia, homosexuality thing is I remember in the, in the Bible, there's that line. So the Bible had been translated a billion, jillion times. And each translation has been a different word here, a different word there. Talk about it. So some people say that it, you shall not... Um, a man shall not lay with a man as he does with a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another version says a man shall not lay with a boy the way he lays with a woman. And then the other version is a child because a they were child. talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. Exactly. And in my mind, when you're talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, you're not talking about homosexuality. You're talking about pedophilia and incest. Sodom and Gomorrah, was, they were turning up in the wrong way. They were, they were doing the most. Like, yes, like, because like, let's be real. I, I feel like there was, I feel like one of the 12 apostles, 13 if you include Rufus, I feel like, <laughs> Not Rufus. I feel like the 12 apostles, okay. one of, at least one or two of them was busting it down with another nigga. I can't with you. I remember there was a study one time where they said one in 10 men is queer, right? Mm-hmm. I could see that. And so in my mind, you put 12 niggas in a room. On a boat. On a boat, one at least one of them twelve is gonna be gay, at least a little bit queer. If one in ten men like to suck dick, I can see that. So I have a feeling that those one of those twelve men was with his homeboy Jesus. They were talking about yo treat everybody the same, but this right. nigga right here, this nigga my nigga. That makes sense. So I definitely agree with what you're saying, right? However, as far as the translation of the Bible is concerned, we've had this conversation. There's a, um, a specific scripture, like one of my favorite scriptures, actually, where uh, Jesus is constantly asking, I'm going to say Peter. Nope, probably was Thomas. I don't remember. Anyway, but he's asking him, does he love him? So the direct, defin- the direct translation from, Greek, from Latin to English would be, uh, four different types of love. But in the King James Version of the Bible, it just keeps saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Well, we all know King James translated it to suit his own devices. Yes. We all know that. So in that lost translation type of thing, um, I definitely agree with it. We will never know the difference at this point because even like, and this is just from my own personal experience, because I've had this conversation with older Christians. And I'm like, yeah, you know, they're starting to find like other parts of the Bible. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, you know, they're archaeologists are finding other scribe, you know, scriptures and they haven't translated and like complete books of the Bible. They're fine. And they're like, we only believe in the King James Version ordained by God. And I'm like, why are you only learning from the King James Version? Like, first of all, there, knowing that there are multiple versions would tell you like maybe I need to look at another version, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, you know what's funny is I bought a copy of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. 
because I needed to know about them seraphims. Okay, um, so there are there's a there's a whole Baptist of there's a Baptist of um or what do you call it? What do you call it? Like uh, not a uh, the book I guess of of Mary. Like Mary wrote her own book. Oh, so there's different um. Not chapters. Well, yeah, book because it would be like the books of the Bible. Yeah. But see, but that's the okay. So this is gospels. Gospel. gospel. Thank you. But okay, so the gospels are in the New Testament. And the Old Testament is just the history. Well, right. Acts is considered the history of the Bible as well. Anyway, that's another thing that I, I've a conversation I've had, and we just spoke briefly on it when we were talking about Esther and Ruth. Esther and Ruth stories were not stories of triumph. They were sto- stories of sacrifice. And this is what they had to sacrifice to get where they needed to be. I think that King James did that on purpose mm-hmm. to show women you can only achieve greatness through sacrifice. Yep. And it's not even sacrifice in the sense of like, I'm not going to buy this dress today because I know tomorrow I have to take the train. No, it's sacrifice of like, let me cut my leg off so this motherfucker doesn't like kill up the kids. Like... And you know, it's, and, you know, it's crazy. Like, imagine if, like, if we finally, and I'm looking for it, the, the gospel of Mary Magdalene, because mm-hmm. Mary Magdalene with Jesus is woman. And yeah, and that's the thing too. Like, they, I, I think they said, like, she sacrificed they, her they man. She sacrificed relationship and kids and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So mm-hmm. people don't want to believe that. So they always think that Mary, the mother, was always a virgin. But like, you got to remember, she was married to Joseph. So after she Jesus gave, probably had some brothers. Right. After Jesus was born, you think um we don't really know the story of, of Jesus between his birth to he was 13 years old, right? Uh, we the, no birth birth to 13 and then 13 to 33. 30, right. That was the 30, whole blur. Right. Yeah. So like you can't tell me that all of them years that Mary and Joseph were married and Jesus would just go off and live his own life for a minute, that they didn't have no kids? You mean you mean to tell me, especially at that point in history, that a man wasn't telling his wife to get on her knees? Because that at that point in history, we if we were to believe that men acted and thought a certain way, that's what would have happened. On top of that, so not only would the gospel of Mary Magdalene expose that, if Jesus had family, the gospel would also expose her owning the fact that she was once a sex worker. Right. Her owning the fact that she was a sex worker who got married to the Savior. Right. And that he showed her love as a regular human. And that would have to force Christians to show love to people that they feel are beneath them. Exactly. And that's not going to happen. So, again... Here we are at cancellation. <laughs> Christianity wants to cancel Christianity. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this. I cancel whitewash Christianity. So much. But I'm I'm I can't cancel, and I hate to say it like this, but like the black my black experience in Christianity is completely different. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever went to a white church, I was lost. I was like, why are the hymns this long? Why does it sound like this? You know, black people, we shout to Jesus, come down and tell us to stop. White people, they was like, the Lord, and that's it. I was very much confused. But um, you know what? When you learn he got the whole world in his hands, you start, you feel good. You feel good. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I, I'll even say this. I cancel whitewash Christianity, but it's important. And this one thing I grew up, uh, my pastor, like, ingrained in us when we were growing up. 
it's important to know God for yourself. Yep. And once you get past the, I'm Christian, so I have to do this, or I'm Christian because I have to do that, and get to the point where it's like, my relationship with God is more important than, you know, the label and the the back and forth with people, you become a, a better person. Because yep. my relationship with God is awesome. Like, me and God be chilling. And it's, it's wild because, like, I have nothing against Christianity, right? Mm-hmm. And I always tell people, like, I don't have anything against a belief if, if that belief is, isn't used to harm. Right. So I always feel like there's a different way of, like, you can worship your, your deity without, you know, weaponizing your religion. And that's what it boils down to. You know, and it's, it's crazy because, like, I always have to remind people, after 9-11, they did everything to demonize people who were Muslim. Right. But the thing is, you can't demonize an entire, number one, an entire religion. Especially not based off of one incident. Because if right. that was the case, the Oklahoma City bomber should have made everybody get rid of Christianity. Right, exactly. Like, you, if you're going to demonize people of the islamic faith you have to do in the same thing in the same breath you have to also demonize christians because it's 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 not like oh well we can look at only one part and that's the whole religion you can't ever Mm -hmm. do that you can't even do that with just one person like one person could fuck up and then you know but the rest of them is good Mm -hmm. guess what depending on what they did that was bad determines how I cancel what part of that person mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like, I might not want to deal with you because I know if, if you are an abusive person, if you are a gaslighter, if you um, allow abusive and racist ideology to be in your realm, because right. that means I can't trust you. Right. I can't trust you if you're friends with racist people. I can't trust you if any part of me is devalued because of it's a part of me. Right. So we can't we can't be friends. Right. And 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 people don't think like they always say, well, don't why would you judge somebody off of the way they are? Like that's who they are. No, no, baby. No. I am if you are that way, if you are a terrible person, that is you being a terrible person. Right. That is you choosing to be a terrible person. Right. And that's a personality trait that you can change. Okay. Racism is a learned behavior. Nobody is born straight out the cooch and says, hey, I'm going to be racist. Right. No, it's a learned behavior. So, so if you, you don't allow yourself to unlearn that behavior, you're an asshole. Here's what's funny. Most of the Black people, do you remember the early 2000s, they did a study and it was, they said most Black people in the world were, um, were Muslim? I don't remember this, but it sounds accurate, so I'm going to agree. So during that study, most of the people, most of the black people in the world were Muslim. I want you to think most of them are not from the United States. Right. So most black people in America are, in the United States at least, are Christian. A lot of black American Christians were taught to look down upon Muslim black people throughout the diaspora. I can see that. If we listen to the way our grandparents talk about people who are Muslim. No, you have to say it correctly. Muslim. 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 Yeah, Muslim. She's a Muslim. And you know what? That is the most 
Like that's how you know your grandma is from Queens. Oh no, okay? my grandma from Georgia. Oh put that no, on that woman. Do not put that on that woman. Grace Edwina Brown, Promise Brown, was from Claxton, Georgia. Moved up here in '59, and lived in Brooklyn and died in Brooklyn until she went home to be with the Lord. Lord Jesus, my grandmother was raised in Queens, and every black grandmother I knew around her age. Like between like somewhere between my grandmother's age and my great grandmother's age, mm-hmm. they always said Muslim. They always said, and I in my mind I'm thinking, and I'm in my mind I'm thinking chocolate mousse. Like my mind mm-hmm. automatically goes to chocolate mousse. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've been smoking reefer since I was born. I hate you so much. But my mind automatically goes to chocolate mousse because I'm thinking, oh, we getting brown people and mousse. We getting it, it's like they enunciate over enunciate Muslim, and it's like. It, Nana is Muslim. And you can't tell them nothing. So we say Black people can't be racist, but we can be xenophobic. Correct. But to piggyback off what you were saying about the majority of Black Americans being Muslim. Christian. Christian. Well, they said the majority of Black people in the world were Muslim. Right. And then majority of Black Americans are Christian. Right. Okay. So as far as majority, like if it was the other way, like I thought you said Muslim, they also have to look into dynamics because mm-hmm. you have a lot of people who become Muslim in prison. You have a lot of people who become Muslim by marriage. You have a lot of people who are from uh, African countries that come over to the States who are now Muslim Americans. So those are all things that you have to look into. I think it's in Detroit, but there's like a whole city of um, Muslim Americans. And yeah. then it's like, damn, Okay, I, I need to look this up now. But it's a, it's a whole city. And it's like they have this whole like quaint equivalent to like what we have for like Chinatown in New York. Right. It's like this whole quaint, like self-promoted city. Buy from themselves, like they own property. Like, and it's from a standpoint of like being human. It's like a beautiful thing to watch. It's a beautiful thing to see. And, and it's... Thought, it's- and it's funny because, like, if we look at, like, the city like New York, right, people, mm-hmm. when people come to New York, you know, they, a lot of them, they move, they gravitate toward whatever neighborhood is, prom- is prominent in whatever culture that they come from, mm-hmm. right? And there's, um, and part of that, you know, they, part of people live in the commuter city. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but it's Dearborn, Michigan. Dearborn, okay. Dearborn, Michigan. I've heard yeah. of Dearborn, but... It's like the, a lot of these people, like, if we look at, like, the commuter cities, you know, the small, the, the townships in Jersey, mm-hmm. there are a lot of, there's a whole township in Jersey that is all Jewish, another one that's all Muslim, another one that is, you know, a, a certain section of Christianity, mm-hmm. and which is actually very common in the United States throughout. Like, we move within a certain um, religious belief. Almost, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. like, if you go down to the south, there are certain towns that are only Baptist, right? And they will not touch that Methodist church that's there, and they know a few people that go there. And you uh, don't you dare try to date my daughter. You're a Methodist. Christians, we don't. Do you that. know, Christians are like, and I say this as a a car carrying Bible thumper sometimes, but when it comes to like the different sects, it's like a whole gang, like on gang, like you Christian, what part though? And I'm like, Christian, Christian. Now, what part though, blood? What part though, you Jehovah's Witness? 
And I'm like, nah, Pentecostal. Pentecostal? Oh, yeah, never, Pentecostal. Yeah, I never want to get out of church. I can't mess with you. I'm like, well, what are you, Baptist? I'm like, oh, y'all smoke weed after church, don't y'all? Like, it's it's honest to God a gang. Gang affiliation to the core. To the core. But you know when it all stems back to, right? Acronyms, huh? You know what it all stems back to? Catholicism. Of course. And you know what Catholicism stems back to? Go for it. I'm worshiping. There we go. There but we nobody, go. Don't nobody want to talk about that. Ten Commandments? Ten Commandments? You know that stems back to. I heard, I heard a, how many commandments? Ten? It's in there. It all stems back to African deities. I remember um, when I was an undergrad, right? You know, there's like little loopholes you can take to get out of taking like more courses. So one of the loopholes I found out about was if I take, uh, if I take like a Spanish class, Mm-hmm. And then I turn around and I take a, his- a Spanish history or Spanish literature class and it balance me out for my uh, second language course and I'm done. So I made the mistake of taking Puerto Rican studies, right? Didn't find out until after I passed the class that it didn't qualify to cancel out the whole block. Anyway, so as I'm taking this class, we started talking about um, religion. Because, you All know, right. most, his- most Puerto Rican people are either... Um, Anglo-Saxon or Catholic. And when we were having a conversation about just like the Catholic deities, I started noticing how much it correlated with like African deities. So I asked the question, I was like, hey, I noticed that. And she's like, oh, well, yeah, she was slightly racist. And I'll get to that in a second. But she's like, yeah, you know, you know, Catholic, the uh, Catholic church pulls from everywhere. And I'm like, nah, sis, it sounds like it's just pulling mostly from Africa. Yeah. She's like, well, you know, it's it's completely different. And I'm like, mm, nah. it's not. But she was slightly racist because we have to do like a, like a family tree type thing. Mind you, I was the only black girl in the class. It was very much of like, why is she here? But that's neither here nor there. So we had to do like the family tree thing. And um, at the time, my aunt was actually doing like this whole family tree thing. I think I told you about this, where she found out like we had um, like my great grandmother's dad was like Scottish, which would make sense because, you know, fucking slavery. I mean, so, so my aunt was like really hyped. She's like, oh my God, I'm Scottish. And I'm like, girl, you're not, but whatever. So Scottish. And then my uh, grandmother's father was Seminole Indian. Like, we all knew that. Like, right. Seminole Indian, they're from, Cla- well, they're from Georgia. Well, I was all in that. So I'm in the class, and she's like, what did anybody find out? She calls on me. I was like, yeah, well, I found out my grandmother, we have Seminole Indian in our family. And she goes, that's from Africa. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, it's from Africa. And I'm like, mm, it's from Georgia. She's like, no, that's from Africa. And I didn't even say Indian. I said Seminole Native American. So how can Native American be from Africa? The world may never know. Damn, what was her name? I should look her up on like the teacher looks thing. Don't. I mean, you can leave a bad review, but don't like, you know, don't blast her on this one, on this podcast. You can blast her on okay. another podcast. No, I won't. I won't do it. I'll do it anonymously. But, but like, the, thing is, the thing is, it's like, it's so crazy that so many religions, right? Like they come from... A lot of practices come from African tradition, which leads also back to the fact that Christianity was founded within the Middle East or in North Africa. Mm-hmm. Therefore, 
at the same time, if we also are looking at, again, creation, a lot of Africans, Egyptians, worshipped Egyptian gods. That's why they are called Egyptian gods. So right. if you're telling me that Christianity sprung up in the same place where they got Egyptian gods, maybe there's some overlaps. I don't know. But then that would have to be that would further the conversation about God not being white. We can't do that. I just feel like, like we, like I said the other day, like white people constantly need ownership over something. Yeah, and it's no. like own your own bodies, own like a, a fucking Chevy Blazer. I don't know, but you don't have to own everything. Right. Like, you know, it, it's crazy. Like they get mad again. This is why, like I always say about cancel culture, they get mad that we are tired of them not giving us our flowers. Let's be real. Right. right? We are tired of them not giving us our flowers. And I don't mean our flowers and like, they ain't got to be roses. I mean, just pick me up some fucking daisies out the grass because like basic human rights. Mm-hmm. Because y'all will have us arrested for picking shit, for picking out in our own garden. Y'all really would. There is a baby right now going to jail because he picked a flower on his way home. And we are out here thinking, like this is, first of all, this is a child. Like we are out here talking about like, when we, whenever we call somebody like a Karen or a Susan and they're getting mad to be like, well, you're canceling me. We're canceling you because you are the reason a black person might get killed. That part. It's not even like because he got killed. The minute you dialed 911 and they locked in on your location, you risked our black ass life. Talk about it. All right. We can be in our own fucking apartment. Chilling. Chilling. And you break into our apartment and kill us. But they don't. But hold on. But hold on. Here's why. Here's why. This is where I actually took note. This is the first time on this podcast that I have taken note. Okay. I've been taking notes this whole time. (laughs) I mean, we got an education. Because again, they always say, well, why don't you guys back off of like, stop talking about slavery. It happened forever ago. Because slavery ties into y'all killing us. All right. That part. Reality is. There were 10.7 million slaves that went through the Middle Passage. Mm-hmm. You know how many came to the United States? How many? Only 388,000. Okay. So that's why South America and quote unquote Central America are still fucking black. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of them did go there and a lot of slaves also went to United Kingdom, Northern right. Europe, all that good shit, right? You know, a bunch of people died upon that that voyage, right? Mm -hmm. The minute we got to the United States, they were shaving some heads, changing our names. Mm -hmm. They were they were trying to eradicate our culture that we brought that that y'all stole us out of. Right. So again, that was a first instance of black people experiencing cancel culture. And then at the same time. Actually, not even just at the same time, but before then, since before then, since they since white people came here, Native Americans were being forced to do hard labor, were being or were being killed for not giving up their land. Right. So so we're looking at like white people were canceling two types of cultures at the same time. Mm-hmm. At the same time. All in all in saying that God destined them to own this land. But see, that's another thing. I feel like this is why I say white Christianity 
is canceled. Again, I'm pretty sure the commandment says that you're not supposed to covet your own, like you're not supposed to covet your neighbor's property. Right. God would never give you something that belongs to somebody else. Alicia Keys know that shit. Wait, she let us know. Like she she is a cautionary tale for y'all. Listen, she still got cheated on. Like God is not gonna give you something that belongs to somebody else. So how is it that this country that already belongs to people is now yours? How are you gonna get mad that you know how like the same these are we're talking about the same people? Because again, you can always relate something from history to the present, right? Right. The same people who are mad about you're, they're, they're gonna take our guns mm-hmm. because you want to have a gun to be able to shoot somebody, quote unquote, defend your house if somebody mm-hmm. breaks in. But your ancestors broke in to my ancestors' house. Thank you. How are you gonna get mad about that? But not even that. You want your guns to defend yourself against intruders, but when cleaners from down the street broke into your house, you just said it was the mess. But when I just knocked on your door to sell a fucking Girl Scout cookie, you shot me because I was an imminent threat. You don't want your guns to defend yourself against anything but my black ass. Right. It's crazy because black people have been getting killed by white folks since we landed here. My grandfather taught me that my nono, right? My Italian, my white Italian grandfather taught me that police forces in the South during the time of slave years, pre-Civil War, mm-hmm. were taught that anytime you see a black person walking down the street, you are to kill him. He is probably a slave. I'm not surprised. And then when they abolished slavery and made the amendment that slavery was illegal except for it's basically just it's saying, illegal except for imprisonment. Right. That's pretty much it. You can be a slave as long as you are going through harsh punishment. Right. All right. It has to be punishment. You are willingly signing yourself up to be a slave. So the minute you stole, you shoplifted at Walmart, you were signing up to be a slave. Right. And we have to think like that's basically all y'all wanted. Y'all just wanted us to be able to be slaves. And because who was getting arrested the most at those times? Black people. But America did this great job of saying, I'm going to make you free, but here's the conditions. And forgetting forgetting to mail people them fucking conditions. Yep. But when you said the the walking, um, walking while black is just automatically a slave thing, that's, I just thought of like, that's like equivalent to modern day stop and frisk. Right. Because you fit the description. What description? Like, the person you're looking for is five, six, brown eyes, brown hair. She's wearing, I don't know, parazuko jeans. I don't know. I'm five, nine. I'm in my car and I'm minding my business. I don't fit anybody's description of anything. I was walking down the street. I was walking down the street and I was in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. It was It was a summer day. So I'm not wearing no hood. I have on a hat. You know what I mean? You can see my face. You can see my skin color because I'm wearing short sleeves or I have my sleeves rolled up. And these cops come up to me. Three cops and try to stop me. They ask for my ID, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what's the problem? They're like, oh, we're looking for someone who fits your description. Guess what? The only thing they were looking for was somebody wearing black because a block away, the white guy who they were looking for got arrested. Hmm. I'm not surprised. They heard black. They didn't hear wearing black. They heard black. I'm not surprised. 
So it's always like that added thing of like, yes, just them from slavery. We can't even walk down the street while black because we're supposed to be a slave and we ran and it's better, it's less worse if you kill us than if you drag us back. And uh, 1865, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. 1865 was when slavery was abolished, right? Mm-hmm. My, my mother was born in 1965. Only a hundred years. That part. It was only a hundred years. So no, slavery wasn't four hundred years ago. Right. It was not that far removed. It's like it was only a hundred and fifty-four years ago, or something like that. I don't know. I was gonna say that was really good math. One hundred fifty-six, I think. But close. But but not even that. Like my grandmother was born in nineteen twenty-one. Like. She was not that far removed from slavery. She was not that far removed from Jim Crow. Like, granted, my mother, she was born in Georgia, but then she moved up here. But had she grown up in the South? Right. She's not that far removed from Jim Crow. Right. Like, you know what's so, so crazy? Just to backpedal a little bit. So when I was younger, uh, again, I went to a very Black church. I had a very Black pastor. He grew up in Jim Crow South. He moved to uh, up north when he was like uh, 25. He was born in 30, I'm going to say like 35-ish is when he was born, North Carolina. And when I was growing up, he used to always say to us just like, because he was like a, a grandfather figure first. And right. he would always say, you know, love is love and you can marry whoever you want, but you better not marry a white man. And I was like, why not? You just said love is love. I better not marry a white man. I don't get it. And he's like, no, you don't. You better not come in with no white man. Because if you come in with a white man, I'm going to get my shotgun. And that's going to be it. And I was like, but why? And then it's like, as I got older, and then I started realizing, like, he was born in like 35. And white people back then were really, and when you look at the South, like back then, especially back then, white people then were so dangerous. Right. And these people are our grandparents' age. These people are our grandparents' age. I have to say that because that's those people who, those white people who were dangerous then, some of them are still alive. Those white people that were dangerous then are senators and damn congressmen and, and they are chief teaching, of police now. And they're teaching their children and grandchildren not to be as dangerous as them, but still don't trust mm-hmm. them niggers over there. No, they're teaching their children and grandchildren how to be covert, dangerous people. Ooh. Because guess what? I don't put shit past nobody. And the one thing I can't stand is a secretly racist person. Because guess what? If you're going to call me a nigga, call me a nigga to my face, so let's get over it. But right. don't say, oh, I'm not racist. And then you have little microaggressions or say you're not racist and I go up for a job, uh, a position that I'm more than qualified for and you don't want to hire me because I'm the black girl. Let like, me tell you something. There's only one... Out of all, because you know me, again, equal opportunity ho, of all the white guys I've dated, only one of them ever called me a nigger. What? And he was mad at me when he called me a nigger. And that's the worst time. Do you know he's only one of the two people who are on my block list still? Because you know me. You know me. I'm not going to block people. I want you mm-hmm. to hate me. I want you to hate me. In, in, in and, real time. I want, exactly. Okay, let me live in your head rent free. Mm. But him, yeah, he's on my block list. How dare you? And then he got mad at me because the next day I said, I don't want to deal with you. I'm done with you. You called me a fucking nigger mm-hmm. when you were mad. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what's crazy is, because, you know, my grandfather who raised mm-hmm. me, Italian white man, and my grandmother, a black woman, I told them that and they laughed. Really? They, they both laughed because they was like, oh, yeah, it happens. Like, they were laughing because my grandfather told me stories of him having heard people that he used to be friends with call his ex-wife that. Really? And he was like, well, you're not my friend anymore. Because my grandfather, you know Italian men and Black women. Mm. Um, My grandfather loved his first wife. He loved my grandmother. And... He's always he always married like he dated he had long term relationship with a white Italian woman black mm-hmm. Italian women but he always had marriages with black women right so uh, he was like nah y'all can't do that you know what I mean and my grandmother being a black woman who had dated white men she has definitely heard that right especially you know growing up in the the thirties and forties right so they just laughed because they were like look baby it's gonna happen. It's going to happen, and you're going to find the one that's going to not say it and mm-hmm. ki- and kick somebody's ass for saying it, and that's going to be your one. I was going to say, so back then, I feel like if you were in an interracial relationship as a Black woman and you got called nigger by your white boyfriend, husband, whatever, it was one of those things that were like, well, everybody else is doing it, so I got to right. accept it. Right. That <clears throat> constitutes as me and my homegirls beating the shit out of you these days. Right, and my grandmother wasn't one of them. She wasn't them, one of them girls who's going to sit there and take it. Right. If a, if a white man called her a nigger, she was ready to go. Hmm. You know what I mean? She, she uh, like, whether, it was, whether it was packing a bag or shooting you with a gun, mm. she was ready to go, okay? And back then, people used to go missing all the time. All the, all the time. time. And where do they turn up? The East River. Listen. <laughs> but it's one of those things, like, I can't deal with like the fact that there are so many people who don't realize how far off we are not. Right. From slavery, from Jim Crow, from the civil rights era. Like people, you know what's funny is one of my um one of my professors showed us a picture of Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm. One of them was in the, it was a picture that was colorized and the same picture was in black and white. Mm-hmm. The picture that was in black and white was the one that we had seen the most. Mm-hmm. And the picture in color was the original version. Mm-hmm. Letting us know that the, the revolution was colorized, but y'all want us to think that it was so it, far away. Yes. Yep. But that see, it goes back to, and I spoke on this earlier, grooming. Yeah. They wanted they wanted to groom our young precocious minds into thinking that this happened so far like so long ago. Like this is not even an issue now. Like if somebody would have told me at 9 years old that ra- the racism was still as heavy and as thick as it was as it is now. Mm-hmm. Because 9 year old me would have never thought like 2021 the racism is going to be strong. Like I would have never thought that. And it was because I was so far removed and I thought that shit happened so long ago. And it's like, nah, sis, your mama went through that. Like, Yo, we was, we was alive during Rodney King. Listen, I had okay. to explain Rodney King to my niece one time on the bus. 
And the guy behind me was cracking up. And he was like, you ain't have to tell it to her so real. I was like, well, these kids need to know the truth in real time. Like, they don't need to be like us 20 years removed from the situation and then realizing what the hell happened. Like, It's, it's funny because, like, if we look at the time of Rodney King, right? Mm-hmm. Right after that, we went through the OJ bullshit. Ciao. The, the fucked up part is people remember OJ. People mm-hmm. remember that story. Mm-hmm. right but what they don't remember is that that story had a racist cop involved mm. openly racist and then on top of that that they were discussing our parents our grandparents our teachers they were discussing the fact that rodney king had just happened in that same city okay like rodney king wasn't that long ago right and me like you said nine-year-old me I was going to a white school. I had white friends. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I had um I I had white family members. So I nine-year-old me was just getting over having gone to the African American History Museum and being scared and having nightmares after that. Right. So nine-year-old me wouldn't believe really that racism exists now because because y'all want to portray that it didn't happen. Right. Y'all want us to forget Tulsa. Again, cancel culture. Cancel culture is y'all not teaching us Tulsa. Because it doesn't fit into the white savior complex that we're force-fed in public school and in school in general. And, And speaking of white savior complex, speaking of white savior complex, let's be real. Native Americans used to own this land. Mm hmm I know more Black people from Native American descent, like who are descendants of Native Americans, who mm-hmm. can trace the direct lineage mm-hmm. to their Native American side than I do white people who say I'm of this tribe, but they can't give me no kind of lineage. These are the same white people who complain about not having the paperwork for it. And Black people over here are like, y'all have paperwork? We didn't know that. Listen. Native Americans are only 0.8% of the United States population now. 0.8! Dude, I, I want you to think about this. This is their land. That's because America did that first genocide trail of tears shit that they think nobody And just swooped on through. But wait, hold on. Hold on. So you know, niece adjacent, she's in fourth grade. September, they were all about the Native Americans. I believe it was Native American History Month. So they went through like this whole like broad uh, deep dive into Native American culture. One of the documents she had to read talked about the Trail of Tears. They said the Native Americans did no longer wanted to live in the land that they lived in. So they made a pilgrimage across the map. A pilgrimage! A pilgrimage. Like they said, listen guys, you know, the grass might be greener on the other side, so let's do this whole walk. Because they didn't have, nobody had Uber. So let's do this whole walk and go all the way to Washington State, which is now Washington State, and now live there. And if a couple of us die on the way there, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. Why you would know, we do that? Take one for the team, homie. You made it feel so pretty and, like, clean. Like, huh, no white guilt, huh, no white guilt involved. Like, y'all do know this is some bullshit. Again, that's the part of the white savior thing. If you really think about it, 
I told you, you come up in here, I'm going to fight you like a hotep sometimes, right? I'm going to put some hotep. <laughs> I'm going to open up your third and fourth time. Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't send my morning text out today, so I'm here for it. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, you want to you wanna say your morning text now before I go into this? Uh, good morning, kings and queens. Grand rising. Grand rising, kings and queens, my Nubian sun guys. Yes. Goddesses. Welcome. Hotep Sep. Good morning. Hotep Sep. <laughs> no, dead ass though. Okay, so here's some, here, this is going to sound real Hotep-ish. But, mm-hmm. And I want you to, 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 to. To, to put the middle finger on the forehead and feel that third eye as I say mm-hmm. this, right? It's opening. Why do you think that we were taught that Mexicans were less than or dangerous or all those other negative connotations that we were taught thanks to the media and white people? Hold on, I'm about to tell you right now. Break it down. Because Mexicans are one of the closest broadest, largest population of actual Native American. I agree. They are the most, they didn't go through generations of their children being ripped from their homes Mm. and forced to go to a boarding school, quote unquote, Mm. and chop their hair off and make them into, make them assimilate. You know what I mean? So, Okay, let me, I don't mean to interrupt, but let me say this before I forget. So do you think that the difference between American Native Americans and Mexican Natives are the way they were colonized? Yeah. Spanish came in and said, well, I hate to say it like this, but the Spanish came in and said, well, you're already light-skinned. So let's just throw some Spanish on you. Let's just give yeah. you a little bit of Spanish, a little bit of language and a little bit of culture and then leave you be. Whereas the English were like, nah, they probably can cook and uh, they look like they're going to whoop our ass. Let's just push them in. To like- yeah, the English came in and said, we're going to fuck some shit up real fast. Okay. Right. And, that's, and, and where the Spanish were like, yeah, okay, you know what? Okay, fine. We'll leave you alone. Like, you don't really hear of an equivalent of a British or English commonwealth. Mm-hmm. You don't hear the equivalent of that in like the Spanish, you know, form, mm-hmm. right? The realm, as they call it. Because the English went and tried to fuck up fucking India. They, they wanted to fuck up parts of China. Yeah. The Russian, was it, was it? No, that was Thailand. The Russian influence in Thailand, I believe. I don't know. Let me check. I'm gonna I, look it up. I, I'm, I, 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 I live in the United States. We're not allowed to be taught, you know, cultures and history. Oh, you're right. I forgot. So, like, I don't know, but it wouldn't be surprising. I mean, there are some African countries where French is the native language. Mm-hmm. But we always look at like most countries that were colonized by the English. There's a lot of fuck shit in them. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of fuck shit. There's still uh, religious bullshit. There's still economic bullshit that they experience and are experiencing because of how strongly the English fucked them up and treated them like they were the savages. Right. And again, a whole race of people is now only... 0.8% 0.8% of the country that they once owned. 
Are we surprised? Of course not. We're talking about the same people who are upset about being told that we're canceling you for acting like a fucking asshole, but y'all tried to cancel a whole race of people. So here, and I wrote this down because I wanted to come back to it. So you know what bothers me? I'm canceling Karen. Mm-hmm. I'm canceling Karen's and I'm canceling, uh, what was the male, Kevin? Here's why. A huge part of cancel culture is how you are personally affected by cancel culture. I cancel Kanye West. If another people cancel Kanye West, his sales go down. He doesn't make any money. If I cancel Karen white ass down the block, because when I went across the street, she called me a nigger, and now I suddenly cancel her, it doesn't directly affect her. No. But if I call her Karen, oh, why are you trying to stereotype me? You're not, you're not, your money is not affected. Your pockets are not affected. You don't lose sleep about that shit, but just because I called you a Karen, you feel like you're somehow now the the martyr for your people. That shit don't affect you no way, but you are so hung up in the fact that, and I said this the other day, if you cannot be savior, you need to be survivor. So you are so caught up in the fact that you need to be one or the other that now you're so heartbroken. Now you got to do an iOS press review on Instagram. Today, a black girl called me a Karen because when she was walking across the street, I said, I like your dress. And I think she heard me call her a nigger. No, sis, she did. Tell the whole story because your people you have not, because you, you people have not been telling the whole story. Look, the reality is, is that like, if I look at, okay, so when we cancel people, right? Mm-hmm. Reality is when we cancel people, especially people who have influence, the more famous you are when you're canceled, it will start a conversation and hopefully help heal others. Right. That is the whole point of cancellation, mm-hmm. right? We're here for healing and growth. Right. If you And once you show me you've grown, now look, it's funny, like, I let let's be real. We can talk about part of the reason that a younger version of me would have been canceled. The younger version of me would have been canceled because of the environment that I was in taught me that black people were homogenous and ghetto and wrong. Mm-hmm. That people who sag their pants have no culture. That people who listen to rap are only rapping about sex and drugs, and that there's no deep ass story in it. Right. That I was taught that right, mm-hmm. and I believed that. Because that is how I was raised to believe. That's how I was indoctrinated to believe, right? A lot of people... I'm a not, lot of, uh, I don't mean to cut you off. I don't think you were raised to believe that. I think that your environment conditioned you to think yes, that way. Yes. That, because that. I don't think that your grandparents were force-feeding you that. I think that you assimilated to the idea of this is what Black people are because that's what you were conditioned to see on TV. That's what you were conditioned to be by your friends yeah if if i were to be perfectly honest if i was to be canceled when i was younger it would be because for a very long time i thought i was the exception to the black rule Mm. i'm not that black girl right i'm I'm not like her no no you're a safe black right i'm the black girl like yes i listen to beyonce but like you know taylor swift like i thought that because i listened to britney spears and I didn't curse and I didn't live in the projects like my friends and like I had a two-parent household that like I was the exception to the black right and it was like nah you still a version of black it's just that you know you're the version of black that 
they show on MTV and on BET, and that's okay. And and that is part of us, like, we are so indoctrinated to believe that because we, and it's fucked up to say, again, we live in a society where we are told that Black is wrong. Remember, Mm -hmm. you remember the old adage, if you're Black, get back. If you're brown, stick around. If you're white, all right. Mm-hmm. I was never brown, so I mm-hmm. couldn't stick around. And I definitely wasn't white, so I was not all mm-hmm. right. Right. But you know what? Hold on. I'm going to drop in a little culture on y'all. Mm-hmm. The most important line ever, because I'm Black, right? Mm-hmm. Most important line ever. I don't have to do nothing but stay Black and die. Child, listen. I said that shit the other day. To my mama. I said it to my mama. She was like, oh, such that I was like, listen, first of all, all I gotta do is stay black and die. And that's Dude, it. That's it. She's like, and she's like, and I understand. That. I said, I'm happy you do. <laughs> like, that is it. Is. Because that like, do you know from. how exhausting? Do you know how exhausting it is to be black? Hmm. Talk about it. Did you know how exhausting it is to walk around here? It's funny because people always say, you know, well, you chose to be gay or queer. And like, about the same time, did you choose to be black? First of all, let me, let me, PSA, everybody come in, take a knee. Nobody chooses sexuality. Because if that was a choice, I would not be straight because I am sick of these niggas. The ghetto. The ghetto. The, the ghetto it is. The ghetto. So, you know what? I, you know what? And I stopped saying the ghetto like a couple of years ago. And instead I just say unsavory. But like men... And I don't even want to say when I like, think of man, when I think of the word man, I think of that 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 part from Real Housewives of Atlanta where niece where where uh, Nisi's getting out of the car, mm-hmm. and she says, "Who we'll chat together. together?" Oh, when she went to uh, Kim's house, or was so. it Candy House? Who like, chat the ghetto? The ghetto, the ghetto, because like that's what dating men is. And let's be real though. I didn't choose to, to be attracted to the ghetto. Listen, do you think I chose listen. to be black too? Because if I chose to be attracted to the ghetto, I should have. I I should not have been able to be chosen to be black, right? I mean, listen. because it's a part. It's the way I was born. And why would I want to be a double minority? Talk about this shit. Like nobody, nobody agrees to be struggled to, to the tenth power. Okay, like black women. Do you think they would have chosen to be women? Number one. Listen. And black on top of that? Like there's so many, there are so many ways. Like I like I always have to remind people, we're the minority here. We're being fucked up. And y'all are trying to eradicate us on levels. Black trans women are being killed to this day at exponential rates. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This right? is eradication. So therefore, we are talking again about this cancellation. Is a genocide. And I and I hate to say it like that, right? But like in Florida alone. There's literally a serial killer killing black trans women and they refuse to make it a serial killer issue. They refuse to make it a LGBTQIA issue because they're saying, oh, it's not, um, it's not in one location. It's diffused. Right. Sir. And the reality yes, is, and, and being like that at the end of the day is I, you're letting us know that not only do you not care about us, you, you are okay with the eradication of us, right? right? Again, that is the that is the word, like eradication, which is another form of cancellation. Right. And the thing is, 
again, you know my situation with work. Um, and I've had these conversations because I'm a firm believer in, but, I, but wherever God puts me, if I have the opportunity to speak up against something that I know it's wrong, I'm going to do it. Right. I don't care if you look at me crazy afterwards. Like, we've had conversations before. Like, at this point, I have family members still waiting for me to come out. Out for what? I don't know. Just because I speak up about gay rights. Yo, I have a friend, right? Mm-hmm. Who we've known each other for years. And he was always, like, one of the biggest allies for the queer mm-hmm. shit. He is mm-hmm. down for the queer shit. You want to do some gay-ass shit, my nigga? Let's do Let's some gay-ass shit. Mm-hmm. But he is straight. Mm-hmm. He is straight, and he is a straight black man who was raised in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. The minute he says, "Why y'all hating on gay people?" Everybody thought he was gay. Listen, because apparently being an ally makes you gay. Listen, I told you my cousin had gay girl hitting me up on my face. So my heart, you were down with the call, and I'm like, the cause. You mean like wait, 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 wait. They've been trying to get you to be on the gay side since the MySpace day. It's MySpace. I like it, when I tell you, like I was so upset, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? It's cool. Like I like it, it, I can't even be mad at them. Like it's cool. But and like, like, and let's be real, just the way the same way we tell straight men that if a gay dude told you you cute, that means you actually are cute. It's right. the same way for, for, for straight women. Straight women always love saying, oh, you're so cute to each other. But when a gay woman says it to you, that's when you know you actually look good. But OK, so the one thing I will say, because, again, me and my coworker got into it. She's like, oh, well, they're getting killed because they're not being honest. And I was like, no, it's actually the polar opposite because. At the time, the last girl that was killed, she was killed because she was on it. Yeah. And the guy was upset because she was on it. Yeah. And they didn't even have sex. She was just like, Yeah, I just want you to know, like, I'm a transgendered woman. And then he hit up, I'm not no, I'm not no F word. And she's like, Okay, well, I'm just letting you know you're trying to talk to me. And I'm just telling you, like, I'm a transgender woman. If you're into it, you're into it. If you're not, you're not. The next thing she knows, she come home from work and the whole community. A fucking men are beating her ass. Yeah. For what? For what? Like, like and they stay like, like again. Uh, the word is eradication, and mm-hmm. it's funny because I had a I had a psychology professor, no, not psychology, sociology professor. Mm-hmm. I think it was like sociology one hundred one or two hundred one. He said that racism, homophobia, xenophobia, it all stems in from confusion, right? Mm -hmm. So what we don't understand, what we're confused by, Mm -hmm. we fear. And what we fear, we hate. And what we hate, we kill. I understand that. But it's also, it stems from confusion and innate, like, responsibility. Yes. Because you are responsible mm-hmm. for learning about what you don't understand. Right. And not it, even that. Like, I'm afraid of, I'm not afraid of snakes, but let's use snakes as an example. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of them because the fuck, they might bite me. I'm afraid of rattlesnakes to be specific. It is my responsibility to myself, my natural responsibility to myself to keep myself out of situations 
where there's a snake, a rattlesnake that can bite me. Now, if I'm walking on a block and I don't know where the rattlesnake is coming from, that's not the rattlesnake's problem. That's my problem. But when you when it comes to like homophobia, I think, and I can only speak for the Black community because that's where I'm at. Um, I think that the reason why the homophobia amongst Black men um, is so strong is because Black men know how they see Black women. And a part of their confusion with homophobia, I mean, hom- well, not homophobia, but a part of their confusion with gay men is, why do you want to be a woman? Because, you know, Black people like to say, so which one is the girl? Yes. Nobody's the girl. We're both men. One of us might be a little bit more feminine than the other, and that's okay, but we're both men. So your correlation to women and femininity is to gay men and femininity. And your disrespect for women correlates to your disrespect to gay men. And I've said this to somebody before. And they because they're afraid of being treated the way that they treat women. Right, right. And I said that before, and he was like, I don't think so. And I was like, okay, you keep thinking that. I've never met a homophobic guy that was like God's gift to women ever. And I've met quite a few. It all comes from whitewashed Christianity teaching us that anything related to being a woman is wrong. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, and people love to ask, well, why didn't they just try to eradicate women? Because they realize they need women to survive. Mm -hmm. The only difference is God killed Lilith because Lilith wasn't equal to a man while while he didn't kill Eve because Eve was just going to sit there and take it. Not even that. Eve was a product of Adam. Yes. This goes back to uh, how Christianity has done a, a, a horrible job, but a great job at perpetuating submissiveness amongst women. Eve ate the fruit on her own accord without guidance of her husband. So as a result, Eve is now plagued with the issue of blood. She's plagued with pregnancy birth. She's plagued with all these things. Had she listened to her husband, this wouldn't be a problem. But but you got to remember, I also think, and I'm going to be real. No, no, no. This is not my opinion. This is how they're, they're perpetuating it. So because Eve did all of these things on her own accord, we now suffer. So if we listen to the guidance of our husband, we won't suffer. And I'm going to hurt a few Christians feelings saying this, Mm -hmm. but I honestly think that the fruit was her and Adam fucking. Her and Adam had sex because Mm -hmm. her punishment and the punishment of women was, again, to deal with the burden of birth, Mm -hmm. periods, and all that shit that come with it, right? Right. Because they both experienced pleasure, but because they both experienced pleasure, Eve received more punishment because she was not made for the pleasure. She was not made to feel pleasure as well. She was made to only be used for pleasure. She was made for Adam. Right. How dare you receive pleasure if you're only supposed to please me? I'm not worried about you. I could see that, but at the now, same time, that, that's also me going a little bit too off. The I would say I could see that, but at the same time, like God did give us clitoris. I mean, like, also, I mean, yeah, but you know, I mean, sometimes I'll be putting on my tinfoil hat. You never know. 
But I will say this, right? And I've had this conversation with people too. And I'm just like, and it's mostly when I'm I'm on my soapbox talking about like just basic human rights. I don't even mm-hmm. like to say like I'm on a soapbox for like LGBTQIA rights because at the end of the day, these are basic human rights. Like mind your damn business and let these people live. Sex was never intended for, for pleasure. It was never invented for pleasure. It's never been about pleasure. It's always been about procreation, right. right? So since sex is only about procreation and you're in a um, homosexual relationship, your, your intent is not to procreate. It's simply for pleasure, right. right? So in my opinion, this is why a lot of religious people have issues with it because the Mormons only have sex for procreation. Like the... the I'm, I don't want to get canceled by saying the wrong thing, but I'm just going to say how I said it in my head. Like the ones that look like pilgrims with the 511 wives on a compound in University Springs, uh, Utah. Okay. Never been intended for um, pleasure. It's always been about procreation. And that's also a big reason why um, they do have a high incest rate and a high pedophilia rate because if it's intended for procreation only. You cannot have constant sex with your wife unless your intent is to procreate. Right. But you can have sex with an 11-year-old girl who hasn't gone through menstruation yet. You can have sex with a 7-year-old girl who hasn't gone through menstruation yet. And I'm not saying it like I'm condoning it, but I'm saying it, that's the thought process behind it. And it's <laughs> fucked up because like this not for nothing. The way people believe that like you shouldn't have... It, sex is so much... Look, I hate to sound like Freud. I hate to sound like Freud. <laughs> but everything ties to sex. Right. Right? Everything is always tied to sex. Which is why, like, it's so funny to me. It's so funny to me. When people always say, you know, it's a joke that they say, well, when women, if women were in the world, it'd be a much more peaceful place. Because men are just out here trying to wave their dick of who's it bigger. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, women are not, we can see what size our titties are. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. how big your knockers is, girl. Like, we just gonna sit here and do our work and we gonna get it done. You fuck with me, I fuck with you. Oh, you don't fuck with me, I'm gonna still be over here and you do you. Cool, that's it. Right, right. Men get mad and start picking on each other. But I think it's because men are more about conquest than yep. actual quest. Yep. Like, women are more like, okay, this is the road we have to take to get to this this end game and men are like yeah we have to take this road but let's stop at the store in the corner let's stop at the bodega down the block let's stop at Sears we didn't and, tire and if you like, and if you were one of them niggas and if you get one of them niggas who be on the block and they see somebody and they don't like they'd be like why he looking at me I don't like the way he looking at me mm-hmm. and they want to start a fight you're like oh okay but then can we keep walking or you want right. to keep going back you want to keep going back to that fight okay cool you live your life baby right I, I feel like um, as a person who has sex mainly for pleasure, because, you know, birth control works, um, I understand the whole sex for pleasure thing. Like, I think that if I had to just have sex to birth babies, I would never do it. Um, babies are expensive. And... But they're also... But here's the thing. But here's the thing. We're supposed to, well, they say men are supposed to whack off at least 21 times a month to avoid prostate cancer. Well, wait a minute. Do you know 
that in the Roman Catholic Church, it is a sin to masturbate. Exactly. It's equivalent to an abortion. Exactly. Condoms are equivalent to abortion. So I got a with prostate cancer, so I don't, so so I can avoid abortion. You want me Listen. to? You rather me? You rather me die from cancer than to and and feel and and feel guilt. Hmm. Okay. We're using we're feeling guilt whether or not we jack off, but only one of those ways is we're gonna get prostate cancer. On your deathbed, what are your last words? I should have masturbated all of '87 and then just die. Oh, all of it, all the way through that whole year. Should have just masturbated all every day, every day. But But it's insane. It's like, but it's like again, sex is used for for so many fucking problem that it, it always stems back to mm-hmm. supremacy. Right. And, and the, the thing is too, and I don't mean to hurt you off, but the thing is it's not sex as a whole, it's sex as it correlates to women. Yep. Or sex as it correlates to femininity. Okay, so truth, we went off so we went off on a we went we were talking about cancellation, but we went off on a whole other adventure but again this is how but this but like let's be real this podcast i did this podcast with the homies and when you're having conversation with your homies Mm -hmm. you're not doing an interview you're not doing an interview where i'm asking you question per question we having a conversation with the homies so i am gonna say this and i'm gonna say this about cancellation because again racism is cancellation right Mm mm-hmm the U.S. population, as I said earlier, in nineteen in eighteen sixty five, when mm-hmm. the Civil War ended, was thirty one point four million. Right. Three point nine million of those people were slaves. Right. That was twelve point four percent of the U.S. population in eighteen sixty five. But wait a minute. Were slaves. But you got to remember, it was only 12.4% because we were considered three-fifths of a a person. Exactly. So the population was probably much higher. Probably about, let's say, 20%. Mm -hmm. Right? Now, thanks to lynching, Mm -hmm. thanks to the KKK movement, Mm -hmm. thanks to Tulsa, thanks to just straight up killing us on the street. Mm-hmm. Do you know what our percentage is now? I feel like it's like 9.7 or some shit. 12.7. We went from being 12.4% wow. in 1865 to 12.7% now. If you, you have to do some math to get rid of the fact that, like you said, we only consider three-sevenths of a person, we probably have only grown to the point where they didn't kill us. And not only that, black people don't fuck with census. I mean, we're not wrong, because, like, some we of don't us... fuck with census. Like, I did census this last year, but we don't really fuck with census. Because, like, we already know that y'all don't give a fuck about black neighborhoods, so maybe if we didn't... That say, part. If, maybe if we didn't say that there were so many of us, we would have nicer things. Like, y'all say the census is basically... I remember the way it was preference. Uh, when I did it, oh, well, you know, like your neighborhood needs a new parking, uh, not parking, a new bus stop. We're trying to get a bus stop down the block and we're trying to get um, a speed bump. They're trying to get a speed bump on my block. And I was like, okay, I'll do it, whatever. Get that speed bump. 
And they're like, yeah, we're trying to get the new bus stop. I was like, we're not going to get it. And I'm filling out my paper. And she's like, why not? I was like, because we're not going to get it. Like, they're not, they don't do the census for our neighborhood. They do the census for Sunnyside and for Kew Gardens. That's what they yeah. do census for. Like, yeah. they're going to put new shit in Kew Gardens and Sunnyside. And then, um, you know how I know that they would, if they really cared about Black neighborhoods? Mm-hmm. If the BX33 going into Harlem ran after 6 p.m. from the Bronx to Harlem. It doesn't run after 6 p.m. After rush hour, it's, it's a done. It's a, but it's still going from Harlem into the Bronx. Hmm. So if you work overnight, you have to walk or take the train and then take extra buses, hmm. get to that job in Harlem, but they're going to send you home. But And that's the thing. Like, So I feel like the government has done a very good job, and I say good being like facetious right they've done a very good job at keeping us aware of how our neighborhoods work and how they're conducted right because they they don't make us aware of policy and change they don't make us aware of the council meetings until 24 hours before when 95 percent of us have jobs and we can't go right most of the people that can go who are on fixed incomes or elderly you have to schedule your accessory 24 hours before. Like, these are the things that I'm saying. So now we have a whole community of people, and I'm going to say in like our age demographic, who are now making themselves conscious of how the government is working against us, making themselves conscious of how we can be more present in our neighborhoods and get the things that we need for our neighborhoods and for our kids, especially as far as like school is concerned. Right, because um, because like let's be real, where did it all stem from? Redlining. Who right. invented it? Who invented redlining? It wasn't right. us. We right. didn't. We didn't draw the map of where we were allowed to live. We didn't mm-hmm. draw the map of what would be, you know, okay to have a bus at this part or that mm-hmm. part. Y'all designed it. People always say, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Right? I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps when I got one boot. Right. Or one strap. We've been telling y'all this shit for years. And this goes back to the savior or survivor complex. We've been telling y'all this shit for years. You guys denied that this was our experience. You deny that these were things that hurt our community. You've denied that these are things that we, we need to overcome, but in order to overcome, we need the tools and the tutelage to get to get where we need to be. You've denied all this. Oh, you guys have the same opportunities we do. Oh, you guys do this. And, okay, and now guess what? You're making $10 an hour with your master's degree in social science. You're making $10 an hour. You can barely put food on your table. You got to go grocery shopping at Dollar Tree. And now we're supposed to understand your victimhood because now instead of being a savior in the situation you're a survivor you're trying to be a survivor so now we have to understand your place in victimhood when we've been telling you this shit yeah like when your ass was sitting in kentucky thinking new york was the thing we told you don't bring your ass here don't don't do it don't bring your ass here we ain't got no jobs we barely got housing people living on top of each other don't come here and and it's crazy because A lot of our grandparents came up here during the great, you know, the great black migration of mm-hmm. the, the 20th century when, you know, whether they came before the Hall of Renaissance or after, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of black people came here because number one, the North was free. 
before mm-hmm. slavery, mm-hmm. well, before the Civil War or whatever. Um, and then not only that, but then after slavery, it was less racist, quote unquote. Right. And then it was, then it became, well, they have jobs there. We need to go and get jobs. The factory work and all that other stuff. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then now it's, it's the place where I can be myself. That part. Now people are wanting to be themselves and it's not just black and brown people wanting to be themselves. Mm-hmm. It's also white people wanting to be themselves because they can't be themselves in their own neighborhood, in their own town where they, where they came from. But here's the thing. You can be yourself here. I have no problem with you being yourself. But what you're not going to do is come into my established life and tell me that the shit that I've been doing for myself, a part of being myself, is now wrong. Because that's what they do. They move into the neighborhoods and say, the way that Miss Gladys cooks her Sunday dinner with Aretha Franklin blaring with her window open and we're all accustomed to and we're all used to. And this is just a part of who we are is now a problem and you're calling the cops. Two, two years ago, I want to say, the white lady in Harlem who called the fucking cops on Mr. Softy on a Sunday? Yeah. Oh, you know, he's coming through the block at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Sunday and I work very hard. Ma'am, it's Mr. Softy. It is Mr. Softy. You are depriving children. You would rather deprive children of just a few minutes of a pleasure because let's be real, Mr. Softy is only going to be there for about 15 minutes. And he's out. And he's going to go into his next block or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So there was this um, the Dominican-owned bodega in, in Washington Heights. Are you talking about the thing with the cat? No, not the cat. that bothered thing. me. Everybody knows why the cat is in the corner store. Like, let's right. not pretend. No, this was a guy, he, every, um, every weekend, every Sunday, he would give out free meals to homeless people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they would just line up on the block. And he would give them free meals, mm-hmm. right? This man has had his business there, they said, over 20, 30 years. And he'd been a good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. And these white people called the cops on him because it was disrupting the neighborhood. Mind this you... Has been, this has been the flow of the neighborhood every Sunday for the past 30-something years. It's not disrupting the neighborhood. It's bothersome to you because you don't own it. Right. And then you get mad that people are, quote-unquote, canceling you mm-hmm. or trying to, again, get rid of a culture that is not yours. Right. Again, it is eradication. When people move in here, right, when, when the neighborhood gets gentrified, all the people that were in that neighborhood move out. Right. And they spread out. They are no longer in that community that they grew up in. So they spread out all over to other neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. And cultures are lost. Right. But thanks for people of color are still very innovative. They create their own new culture. Right. You know, like you move to a bunch of you move to another town or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And you create a new culture and mm-hmm. a new environment and a new community. The only difference is it's not the same that it was before. Right. And a it's, lot of times. Constantly adapting. And it's like sprinkling a little spice on it. And a lot of times... When you move out, gentrification comes in a big city. People have to move to smaller cities, smaller towns, whatever, and they need cars. Mm. But they move to a place where the minimum wage is still $7.75. Right. 
how you gonna pay seven seventy five? How you gonna make seven seventy five an hour every two weeks and pay rent, mm-hmm. raise your kids, right, and buy a car? It's 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 a way. It's a form of letting us know that they they can again cancel us, cancel our culture, mm. but we must adapt and and move around for there. And it's, and the crazy part is like they cancel our culture at the convenience of them reinventing it. You cannot yep. reinvent a culture. It's yep. not how it works. And on top of that, what I love again, bringing it back to Christianity, <laughs> a lot of them will say, "Well, I'm not like those Christians. I'm not as bad as them. I'm not homophobic." No, but you're still racist, but. But not even like a lot of them think that they're not homophobic because they don't use homophobic slurs. The reality of it is homophobia is bigger than that. It's bigger than language. It's about level of comfortability. Like, oh, I don't have a problem with like him being gay. But can he come to your house for Thanksgiving? Oh, I don't know about that. Right. That's still that's still a method of homophobia. Like it's it just means that you don't have a problem with him being gay in a space where you're not, uh, where, where your family won't be affected or your family won't think anything else other than, you know, she's just living in New York, living her dreams. But God forbid you bring him home. Right. God forbid, I don't have a problem with Black people. Yeah, you don't have a problem with Black people, so let me meet your mom. I had a, there was a girl when I was in high school. We were friends for a week. <laughs> a whole week. A whole week because Monday we were chilling, we were hanging out at lunch. Tuesday I was hanging out at lunch with her and her boyfriend and a few of our friends. Wednesday, I don't remember. Thursday, she said, "Oh, we're all meeting over at the mall. Um, we're gonna, you know, drive around and pick everybody up." Blah blah blah. I was like, "Okay, cool. Well, my address." Oh, she was like, "Oh no, we can't pick you up. Can your mom bring you or your grandma?" I was like, "Why?" She was like, oh, my dad won't let you in the car. You're black. And I was like, okay, well, we don't have to be friends anymore. Right. And then she was like, no, I'm, I mean, I'm really cool with you. I mean, like, you're gay and that's awesome. Like, I love having a gay friend. And, and you know, just I mean, because, just because I mean, my dad is racist doesn't mean I am. But you won't let, but you're in a predicament right now where you have a new black friend and there's an issue. Okay, can we dial something back right quick? I hate the token of the black handbag gay for white women. And it's like, and the reason why I call it the handbag gay is because it's on their arm when they need it. It's on their arm to be cool. But the minute they get home, it's like, eh, and it's on the floor. I'm, I'm thinking of one famous white woman with her black gay who was in a music video that hmm. she did. We all know who I'm talking about. We do. I'm not saying his name, but keep going. And I just feel like it's first of all, it's, out, it's overdone. Yep. It's overdone. And I just want Black gay men to realize when they're being used as a prop when it comes to the white gays, as opposed to this is my friend. Yep. Because I'm not, don't get me wrong, Like I'm not saying that Black women don't do it. But Black women, they don't have their token gay 
Black women who have token gays. They don't have their token gay because it's cool. I feel like a lot of Black women who have the token gay is to prove that they're not homophobic or to prove that, like, I, I saw a post recently that was like, Black women love having a gay best friend, but they won't acknowledge that their man is homophobic. Right. Or they won't acknowledge that they are inherently homophobic. As a person who's constantly learning, constantly evolving, if I say something that's that's mean or upsetting or homophobic or you know transphobic or just racist in general to my friend of that particular nature, call me out on my shit. Don't let me sit in my ignorance. But a lot of times, especially with um, white women with the handbag gay black friends, they're outright homophobic. They're outright races and they keep them around because it's interesting it's fun and every now and again they okay oh, give me like a dick sucking tutorial because last thing my man was saying you know and i know you gay like mm, it's like a fetish right i hate to say it but a lot of white people have gotten so used to fetishizing black people mm-hmm. you know if i hear bbc one more fucking time I'm going to hurt somebody. <laughs> I'm going to hurt somebody. Like, you are actively fetishizing me and being racist all in one. Because right. that's all I am to you right now? Why the right. fuck would I fuck you? Right. And then, like, it's, it's like a lot of them, again, let's be real, people are always like, you're, you're pretty for a Black person. And I'm uh... over here like, I'm sorry, what? You're supposed to be my friend? You're supposed to be my friend. But it it goes back to the whole, you're not like that kind of Black person thing. And and this is why I say, like what we were saying earlier, I feel like you're groomed into that conversation Mm -hmm. because the first time I heard, well, you're not like one of those Black people, I was like, oh, thanks. Because I felt like their depiction of all Black people were like hustle and flow. Everybody's saying hustle and flow. So I felt like, you know, I live in, I grew up in a brownstone. I have a working class, two working class parents. My dad worked on Wall Street. My mom did um, residential care, nurse, RN. Like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I'm not that kind of black person because like most of my friends grew up in the, pro- at the time, grew up in the projects, had single family homes, stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not that kind of black person. Like I pronounce my R's. Okay. That was a compliment. But now, 34-year-old me is like, no, that was underlying racism of yep. them saying, like, I hate niggers, but you're not that kind of nigger. Like, right. And now they're getting mad that we're telling them we don't want to hear that. Right. Always comes back to cancel culture, because again, the show is called Already Cancelled. Right. You're mad that we're telling you to stop being terrible. Right. Why would you if I'm telling you to stop being terrible, again, if you're showing me that you learned, then you're no longer, there are parts of me like, you're, you're no longer canceled if you show me that you learned, right? Mm-hmm. But like, okay, Tommy Lauren is an example, right? Mm-hmm. She stayed being canceled because she always, always perpetuating this bullshit, mm-hmm. right? If she went underground for a couple of years and then came back up and said, Oh, um, I'm sorry. I I'm learning now. I'm changing as a person. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't be canceled anymore. 
You know what I'm saying? If she showed that she was actually going to go underground and study and stay out of the light, out of the limelight and came out and started working for the cause, mm-hmm. that would be cool. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I have a rebuttal to that, right? So Nick Cannon, you know, Nick Cannon was canceled, lost uh, his deal with like a couple of things. So Nick was canceled because on his podcast, he basically said like, his feelings, not mine, but he said like Jewish people are like basically running their world into the ground and like right. they're like shitting yeah, on everybody else. Right, he'd been anti-Semitic. Right. So he got canceled. He they kicked him off of like MTV and you know not for nothing, but Nick Cannon owns half of MTV too. He owns a percentage, a huge percentage of Nickelodeon. Like Nick Cannon makes his money, he makes his coin. He started losing endorsements, things like that. So now Nick has his show back. He has everything back because he publicly came out and said, listen, I realized what I said was a falsehood. I then went and educated myself. I went and I spoke to a couple of rabbis. I had them on my podcast. I gave a public apology to the Jewish community. And I realized that I was misinformed. And a part of being misinformed was my own perception and ideologies that I was raised to believe. Mm-hmm. and in doing in educating myself i'm now educating people to say hey we are stronger as a unit than we are with the division whatever blah 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 nicholas got his show back right i feel that white celebrities content creators and others when they are racist towards black people we are not given the same courtesy oh no given an ios press release and maybe three or four tiers on national television, and that's it. And then they go back to the same racist rhetoric, and mm-hmm. it's like, well, I apologize before, so I don't have to apologize again, right? Right, and you're like, but you keep doing it. If you, right. if the, the whole point is stop doing it. Right. And then teaching others that think like you used to thought why they're, the way they think is wrong. Because, again, if you are a major influence, right, Mm, mm. if you are someone who is an influencer who has a strong following, you should not allow yourself to keep the people who perpetuate negative stereotypes or negative ideals. Mm. You should not be rooting for them or, you know, give or or giving them energy. You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm -hmm. You should be using that to say, hey, this is wrong. We must treat people good. We must treat everyone the same. We, mu-, You know what I'm saying? But I think the difference is when we're given apologies by white content creators and white influencers and white celebrities, it's never, it's a fair apology. It's always a damage control apology. Right. Equivalent to Justin Timberlake's apology to Britney Spears recently. Right. So it's like, oh, I didn't know what I did was wrong. But if you feel that way, if you feel like I was wrong, this is an apology for you. But here's but the thing. I don't but, here's the that. but here's the problem with that. He's had too long. We told him he would fucked up during Janet. Mm-hmm. We told him he would fucked up when he made um, Cry Me a River. And then he made that album with us. Uh, what was it? Future Sounds and Love Songs. Future Less- yeah, Future Sex Love Sounds. Yeah, that bullshit. <laughs> He's another person I canceled too. I haven't listened to any of his music in quite a while. And it was because, like, again, older me 
looking back on situations that I've kind of brushed underneath the rug because of my love for celebrities. And I, I just realized like how wrong he did when he's there. Right. And then, and then wait, wait, mm-hmm. here's what's funny. Here's what's funny. Remember when he made that album where he was going back to his roots, quote unquote? Oh, yeah. That and, he realized, and he realized that it was not that great. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on. This is what white artists do all the time after they made money off of black people. Speak mm. on it. When the, the real shit is, he was still dogging Britney at that mm-hmm. time, right? Mm-hmm. And we, every time... And had a we, whole wife and kid and we're still talking about Britney Spears. And every time we we tell him he fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. We tell him he fucked up about both things, about the Black community and about Britney every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, oh, we was only informing you one at a time. We were, you know, you didn't know any better. We had been telling you so many times and you kept doing the same thing. That's why your ass stays canceled. Last thing before we cancel out. Okay. Before we close out, I have a very important question for you. Okay. It is not life or death, but it is okay. important to okay. me. Okay. Why are you canceled this week? Oh, why am I canceled this week? Child, what do I start? Um <laughs> well, that means you have a list. Just give no. me one. It's been a wild week. I mean, I, I know it's been a wild week. You know, I'll be up in the group chat. I'm reading what you said. I'm um, ready to go. I mean, I'm ready to fight some. I'm ready to be a goon for you. Who you <laughs> it's been a week. Um, why am I canceled this week? I'm trying to think. What can I say that's not like incriminating or <laughs> like I'm trying to think? Um, oh my gosh. Grandpa, you did not hear this episode. Okay, okay. So I'm canceled this week because I got inebriated and decided to send videos to people and ask conversations. And as I was playing some of the stuff back that I sent uh, yesterday, today, I realized I asked my friends, do they think Morgan Freeman's penis has liver spots? I sent it to you. You didn't get it? I, I'm pretty sure I did. And that's why I'm canceled. And the face I am making right now, <laughs> my reaction to this is very... But wait, when I listened to it over today, I was like, wait a minute, what? So my only question is, why did inebriated you want to know about Morgan Freeman penis? I don't know. Like, I don't know what was going on, but like, I was just like, yo, y'all think Morgan Freeman got liver spots on his dick? Like, like I, I couldn't tell you. Now I need to go back and see. Okay, I'll, I'm going to say something. Mm-hmm. I have, I've seen freckles on a penis. Okay. So I wouldn't be surprised if there are liver spots on a penis, only because I've seen freckles on a penis. Right. So don't ask me questions. And I've never seen an old man's penis. You know, so like that that's that's also a thing. You know, if you've never seen it, right? You know, you wouldn't expect it. I don't want to see an old man's penis. Well, one day I if you extra skin, I... like you know how like you know how you put on a coat and it's a little too baggy. 
Like, I feel like their skin hang down like a baggy coat. Okay. All right. Look, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I'm going to say this. And this is going to sound really weird. This is going to sound mm-hmm. really weird. Mm-hmm. All right. So my no-no and I shared a bathroom mm-hmm. from when I was, I want to say, about seven or eight until I was about 15. Mm-hmm. So my no-no and I shared a bathroom. Um, he was in his 80s, 70s, 80s when he was raising me. Mm-hmm. So he would like, sometimes I'd be going into the bathroom, he'd be coming out the shower. Mind you, we had a huge bathroom. Like our bathroom was the size of like a uh, a full size bedroom, mm-hmm. right? So, um, like so, I would see him like coming out of the shower, and I would see him naked, and I've seen an old man penis before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't study it. Like it was and a thing about so. In my mind, there's a chance mm. that there could be. You know, liver spots. Right. On an old man penis. Right. You know, I don't know. Can the penis get the gout? Like, what's going on there? So, okay. So, you know the industry in which I work in. Uh-huh. At one point, I used to work uh, with gentlemen. And so, um, and we've had the conversation of my fear of erect penises before and how that happened and came to be. <laughs> so... At the time, I still had this fear, but I had no choice but to get over it because in certain situations, I would have to see a penis. And they weren't, they were older. They were like in their 40s, but I don't consider that old. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm like, I've never seen an old penis. Right. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, but I, I do 40, know, old, like, 40 year old penis is, I mean, it's 40 year old penis. He is moderately old. Right. You know, your middle-aged penis. Mm. And these but, are also penises of people of a certain predicament. So it's like, I can't even gauge it off of that because right. these are different kinds of penises. Right. You know, so when you're, so it's like, it's, it's not, so it's not about like, when you're outside of that caretaker world, mm-hmm. you're like, I don't know what penises look like outside. In, in my regular normal outside of my regular normal age frame. I would I will say this, right? Because again, my fear of erect penises, that situation. One thing working in that world has taught me um very easily is like you kind of get over that fear of penises really fast. Right. Because it's like you stop looking at it as like a weapon and you start looking at it like, oh it's just a dick. It's so just, it helped me move past that like fear and phobia pretty right. And it's like it's funny because like again, I love the way you tell stories about things that, that involve penises. So like <laughs> my mind always laughs whenever you talk about that because like I'm like, she gave such a great story. There were some comedic elements involved. But that shit was scary. But like Sepha also leads a very comedic like <laughs> what is the name of that movie that kevin hart movie where they had a funeral oh my gosh that's not a funeral no that's that not was, a fu- or was that that was chris rock it might have been that movie yeah but, yes we laugh at like you lead a life that's like that 
Mm-hmm. And, and you tell the stories in a manner that relate to that. And mm-hmm. I'm over here thinking, I approve and appreciate this cinematic universe. <laughs> like, I mean, one day I'm just going to have you tell a full story, or two or three of your stories on mm-hmm. here, just so the world can experience <laughs> And you know what's so funny? Like I like I had therapy this morning. Like I I've had like today was just like really productive. So I had therapy this morning. And um we were talking in therapy, and that was one of the things I said. I was like, you know, I feel like I've been groomed to see the positive in everything. Mm-hmm. And I've been groomed to be so optimistic about just life in general. Yeah. And it's it's a downfall, but at the same time, like it's one of like the best things about me because like Again, like you said, like I'll be telling a sad ass story, but it just be like funny, and it's not funny because of the circumstances. It's funny because like my my take on it now is funny. Right, like I get it because you know, every once in a while I'll talk about like you know my attacker, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I start laughing. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing because like oh shit, bitch, like look at him now, you know. Right. Or, or I, I find a way of finding positive thing out of negative moment because, like, I always think of, well, I learned a lesson. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, bitch, we here now. It's always that added element of I'm okay. Right. You know, and a lot of us, especially, like, with our, again, generational curses, mm-hmm. we learned it from our grandparents and our parents because, like, all black people could find a way to do to be happy is find something to laugh at at one point. Right. And I was going to say that, like, I think that a lot of the times in our community, and I'm going to say us as an example, because we are both a part of a certain community and a certain dynamic of people. I think that we do the laugh to keep you from crying thing. Yep. And like, you know it, like I, we've had a lot of conversations within the last couple of months. Like I've been doing nothing but laughing to keep myself from crying. Yeah. So it's like, Child. When I look back on it, or even when I tell you guys stories sometimes, I'm like, yo, XYZ happening. I'm like, yep, yo, you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Insert joke. Like, right. it's like, girl, why are you laughing? But then at the same time, you have to look at yourself like, okay, I need this laugh. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I be going through it sometimes. Like, every once in a while, I'll be going through it. And I'm like, you know what? The best way through it is laughing. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, if I have a manic episode, oh, my mm-hmm. God. The only thing that keeps my manicness at bay is laughter. Like, when I'm going, when I'm deep in my depression, I only watch comedies. I will not watch a series that had drama in it. Relatable. For a very long time, my go-to when I was having a moment was Margaret Cho's uh, stand-up. Okay. And, I like, I don't know why, but it used, like, it would be so funny to me. And, like, my best friend was, like, you're the only person I know that finds Margaret Cho funny. And I'm, like, <laughs> you don't understand. Like, you she's very you funny. You don't find, you don't find 50-something-year-old lesbians from the 90s funny? What's wrong with you? Well, first of all, she identifies as bi. My bad, Second bi. of all, no, it's okay. Second of all, she's actually pretty funny. Because she, I, okay, so my favorite joke, right? She was saying how, uh, a guy she was dating was like, oh, you know, let's have... Well, first of all, I think this is what I like most about Margaret Cho. She's been very open and honest about her open marriage from, like, jump. Right. She's like, I have an open marriage. I have a girlfriend and a boyfriend. He has a girlfriend. We're good. 
and she like that was one of the first people that introduced me to like like open marriages and plural marriages and things like that so I always thought that was pretty cool but she has a joke where she's saying how she wanted to have like a threesome and the guy she was dating was like oh yeah like let it like we can do another girl and she's like no nah, I want it to be a guy and he was like well I've never sucked dick before and da 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 and she's like and we got in a room and he took to that dick like a duck to water like and to me that was the funniest joke ever oh my god it oh was honestly god. the funniest joke ever because I was just like in my head I'm thinking a duck to water oh he was swabbing up and that shit delightful 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 and like i just like i don't know when i'm having a moment it's always been margaret cho stand up in wine house and the occasional bring spears like that's my moment i know i get it i go through the when i'm in my moment i'm only listening to darius rucker Mm -hmm. and the plain white tees me plain white tees. Darius and the plain white tees are everything. One day I will explain my love for them in a thorough manner, but that's what I listen to. Mm-hmm. And then I'm either I'm I'm watching some I watch the awesomes. What's that? It's a show that was on Hulu, it had like three seasons, and it's a show about superheroes. And it's really like it's very problematic. Okay. But it's fun. Like, they're superheroes. They're, like, bad. They're not bad superheroes, but they're nobody's A-list. You know, you're not okay. calling on them. Okay. And it's about this guy trying to get out from being under his father's shadow, and then he falls in love with the bad girl. Well, she's not bad, but she did bad things. It's a whole lot of the villains. It's, it's just fun, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, like, I know it's problematic, but it's funny. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to me, and, like, I can enjoy it mm-hmm. because like, I know that after I'm done watching this, I won't watch it for a while. I'm only watching while I'm depressed. Right. You know, keep me, keep me up. You know what I'm saying? Like I cried when um, I was watching the episode of Blackish when the baby was born. I cried. Mm-hmm. Don't let me do that. I can't even watch Blackish. I will say this. So I've been in therapy now since 2016. And the way that I deal with my depression is a lot different from the way I used to deal with it. Because like I said, I, I'm Margaret Cho and whatever. But now, um, within this last, you know, Panasonic, um, it's forced me to sit and identify my emotions more because we have more time. I mean, right. nothing's open. We have time. Right. And um so I've been very vocal about like what I'm feeling, when I'm feeling it, how it affects me, how it affects the people around me. So um, recently, like I had a moment and I like I was denying it for like a while. And then I had therapy and I was like, you know what? Like the first thing I said to my therapist was like, I'm having a moment. And she's like, well, what was going on? And I just explained it to her. And then I went to my sister and I was like, hey, because she said it to me earlier in the week. She was like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And she's like, no, you're not okay. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, bitch, we are too happy. What's going on? Like, so I went to my sister, like, yeah, I'm having a moment. So I just need you to call me out on my shit if you see me doing some goofy shit. Yeah. And yeah. when, like, for me, that was like a big jump yeah. because I'm I'm a perfectionist and I like to to make it seem like everything is together. So for me to say like yo I'm drowning a little bit and I need like people to pay attention to the fact that it might get bad for me that was like a big step so 
yeah, I think it's important to have people around you that can identify when you're slipping and identify when you need help and when you need to be left alone. Because we've had those conversations before. Like sometimes you just don't need anybody to check on you. you At all. And then to be oh, alone. God. And when you're ready to come back, you come back. Yep. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I want to thank you for joining. I want to thank you. This was great. I I feel like I like me. I love talking to you. I love I was like I love when we can just let it out, you know? For real. Like I need to come to your house because I miss you. I know I miss you too. Like we need to have like a whole gay ass date. Mm-hmm. I'm um, with it. Um I might make some more barbecue chicken. I wear my good bra. Okay. Mm-hmm. And oh, we can watch Dogma. We can. I'm and down. and we can play clapback. Yeah, oh my gosh. So I need to get that game because I was telling my mom about it. And you know, my very, my very Christian mom. I was telling my mom about it and she's like, but it sounds hurtful. I was like, girl, be playing it. Shut up. Like, I need like, to get that it's game. It's not about I'm I'm gonna hurt your feelings, but we also let you know going in, feelings will get hurt. Don't yeah. get attacked. Okay. Yeah. All right. So like I said, thank you. I'm so glad. And I do miss you. Miss you more. Oh, you better. Um, and I will you know, you, I will be posting something on the Instagram. I got to get myself better at, like, posting on the Instagram. I want to say, and you can keep this in or you can take it out, it's fine. But I want to say that I'm very proud of you because you said I have a lot to talk about. And I have, I know that there's people that are interested in hearing what I have to talk about. And if they're not, I don't give a shit, but I'm going to tell everybody what I have to talk about. And yeah. you've been doing such a great job. I, I do really I, I I thank you. I thank you. You know, I just wanted to, <laughs> I just wanted to get out because I'm, I'm out here like, look, I got I I get high and have conversations. They should need to be with me. And if they being sober during these conversations, that's even better because somebody needs to be. I cannot be one of I, us gotta be listen, first of all, you know me. I this look it has not worked. <laughs> I, I'm over here like, look, I am not a good influence when I am high. So I need somebody else to be a good influence, okay? All right, so, but I can't wait for, we are, this, we are so close to New York getting our legalization of, of recreational it's marijuana. A it's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's a wrap, my nigga. All right, all right, let me get out. Let's get out of here. I am, I am Fen. You have been listening to Already Canceled. Follow me on uh, Instagram. I just got Rudy B on Instagram. Okay. S-D-O-T-R-U-D-Y-B. Because, you know, we all got... Anyway! We all got things. We all got things, okay? (laughs) But peace and love, and I don't know why I just said peace and love, but... So! Peace and love, and, you know, hotep means peace, so hotep. Peace, kings and queens. Peace, kings and queens.